0: Everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman.
1: I'm Mark Marble.
0: And this is the Lantern Cast.
1: It's 333
0: or 334? 34, right? 334. Yeah, 3- 334. Woohoo! So uh, this is our, what do we want to call it? Geek Talk?
1: No, I hate that term. Uh, because, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you really wanted to be the title, we could do it. But I,
0: well, I was going to th- say comic talk, but it's not. We're not doing like exclusively comics. So
1: I, I was thinking deeper. This is more of our stream of consciousness episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, random thoughts, random dancing. Uh, yeah, it's
0: just. Random Thoughts does nothing if people are like, well, what's this, if, if people, like, because there's some podcasts I like to listen to, but I don't listen to every episode of, so sometimes I, like, check the the title and the description to see, like, what's it about? If we just put Random Thoughts, no, that's I, not going to do anything. trust me, I either.
1: wasn't thinking that to be the actual written title. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Pop Culture Tidbits, I don't know, well, well. F- We'll figure out what we're gonna call this this uh, menagerie later on. Uh, even though we don't have much time, considering when we're recording this. So basically, if you haven't kind of guessed by this somewhat cryptic uh, BS that Chad and I were just doing. There's no real set topic or one idea for this episode, other than we're gonna be t- we're gonna be talking about a whole bunch of different. I think pop culture stuff. We're gonna be things that are going on, some in comics, some in movies, a little bit in TV, just stuff, just stuff that's on our head, basically, or just for multiple reasons. I mean, I think first and foremost, I don't, considering the circumstances for with Chad, which I'm he I'm sure, if you don't know already, he'll enlighten us about in a second. Uh, and just my mindset along with what's going on with Chad too. It's like I don't think either one of us, honestly, really wanted to do a whole lot of prep. But we wanted to record, but we didn't really want to do a lot of prep. And I can speak for me, related to Green Lantern overall. Uh, I kind of think that the, we're kind of in a lull right now. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. kind of a, it's kind of a huge drop off when you're so when you're so used to having two, you know, biweekly books, and now you're down to one bi-weekly book, which is gonna, you know, which is it's gonna be ending soon, and then there's a gap even before the one monthly book starts. That work so it's because it's kind of a a I think, a kind of a, a relatively dull time for new Green Lantern stuff. And we do have other Green Lantern stuff we're going to do, you know, including issue reviews. And Jim and I have a pre-birth. We have to sit down and record, which actually will be pretty good when we do it. But because of where we are in the – You're st- welcome, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Jim, yes. Jim, you're welcome. And me too, because I, so I wouldn't have to go scan, scan those issues in. Uh, but, I mean, Jim thought he might have them. He just wasn't sure. Uh, if he didn't have a digital, it would have been like a Raiders of the Lost Ark, to, you know, trying to find him. <laughs> so because of that, and where we are in the Green Lantern state of the, state of uh, the union right now, we figured this would be a uh, a good e- episode to do. So with that being said, take yeah, uh, <laughs> so
0: yeah, so before we you, you mentioned the stuff going on in my life, uh, as of uh. 12:03 a.m. on September 2nd I am an older brother again. So my uh, stepmother uh when her water broke like early in the morning on the 1st and my sister and my brother-in-law and myself all got to the hospital about 10 10:30 a.m. or something you know got a, my dad wanted some breakfast tacos or something so we went and got him that and then we got to the hospital and spent some time with her and they were just I guess you have to wait till the woman is dilated like 10 centimeters or something that just that took a long long time but <laughs> I said it on my personal Facebook but I'll tell the story here why not because <laughs> we got there so early and she was already there you know for like 5 6 hours before that um, you know after a little bit you know it's that room and she has a bunch of friends coming in and out of the room and stuff and me and my brother-in-law stepped aside. We went to the waiting room to see if we could watch some football because we had, so there was some preseason stuff, but there's also like some college stuff happening. Uh, the first Texas Longhorns game, by the way, all that stuff, Texas tech played as well. I'm a big Texas tech fan. So we were catching as much of that as we could. So while we're killing time in there, like I grabbed my phone. I'm like, Hey Siri, remind me, uh, every year from now on that today is Jeremiah's birthday. Cause his name is now Jeremiah, Eli Bokelman. Uh, and um set the reminder and i jinxed it because he didn't officially he wasn't officially born until three minutes after midnight (laughs) so he is clearly on his own schedule uh my poor stepmother of course (laughs) given the amount of time she had to be in labor and stuff but there you go uh i actually just saw him today as we record this i just saw him about an hour or two ago he uh, my dad needed some help with some stuff because just like anybody's <laughs> anybody's parents they need help with technology so I had to help him clear some storage on his phone uh, but uh, yeah he seems to be doing pretty well he was seven pounds 12 ounces. He was actually not originally due until September 14th but my stepmother's forty so there was some concern there about you know, the rigors of childbirth on a woman of that age and so on and so forth. They were also talking about inducing her a week earlier uh, than the 14th date because he was already at weight. So if we waited longer, he would have been, you know, up, up a, you know, <laughs> the higher echelon of weight, eight, nine pound baby, uh, which would make things even worse on her. So the fact that her water broke much earlier was actually helpful in a way because they she didn't they didn't have to induce her. So but he seems to be doing all right. Nice. And my dad's not getting any sleep. Neither is my stepmother. So you know that's to be expected, I guess. But uh, anyways, so that's that's what's been going on with me. I've got a new little brother. I've, I've been constantly trying to figure out like what my relationship's gonna be like. Am I gonna be like? A brother to this kid? Am I going to be like more like a cousin? An uncle? Like, What's the actual relationship going to be like in terms of my interaction with him? But I guess he'll just let it evolve naturally. So anyways, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about speaking of Green Lantern, uh, I was going to take that segue, but
1: yeah, I, I, I gave you the baton, and I. But I also unfortunately, I I should have not mentioned the other thing yet, and then and then I it's made right. it too it was it was too tempting a morsel for you to pass up. So you took you took one of the one of the batons by, by doing <laughs> by doing that, the other baton was was destined to fall by the wayside a little bit.
0: So uh, I've been reading this book. Uh, it's called. Uh, I went to Barnes and Noble several weeks back and picked up a book called The Lives of Tao by a guy called uh, Wesley Chu. And I picked up another book called Monster by by, uh, A. Lee Martinez. And that was just because I was looking for some more books to read, like actual books instead of comics. Because I love reading. I have a massive bookshelf right in front of me right now. Um, And the reason I picked up The Lives of Tao is because the book sounded interesting to me, but also it was the first part of a trilogy. So I figured not only if I'd like this book while I have – uh, you know will I have a new book I like but also it won't be like a one and done there will be two more out there for me to go find so the other day I went to Barnes and Noble to pick up the other two and um, I noticed some DC stuff behind the register I'm like oh, what's that So they handed it to me and it's the DC essential graphic novels 2018 free magazine where they just you know, List off a bunch of the stuff that they have available in terms of trade paperbacks, hardcovers, as well as a list of like the top 25 most uh essential graphic novels and stuff like that. So I'm paging through here. Top 25 uh most essential graphic novels has things like, of course, Watchmen and Sandman Overture, Identity Crisis, Injustice, Batman Year One, you know, stuff like that. Batman Long Halloween, all this stuff. Even Aquaman the Trench. No Green Lantern. Okay. So then you get into this DC Universe Rebirth section, which breaks things up by some characters. There's a couple things here and there. Okay, that's cool. Oh, hey, cool. Look, the first volume of Green Lantern's Rage Planet and the first volume of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Core Volume 1, Sinestro's Law. Okay. Alright. Keep paging. Then they get into a big, significant character breakup. Batman's got several pages, as you can imagine, followed by Superman. There's Wonder Woman. There's the Justice League. There's Flash. There's Aquaman. There's Suicide Squad. (laughs) Teen Titans. (laughs) Okay. Then we get into a from page to screen section, where they're like talking about some of the stuff that influenced the Arrow, Flash, Black Lightning, all this stuff. Then we get into, like, Vertigo, okay? Then we get into a DC Comics reading order, which does give us some Green Lantern stuff in terms of a small Green Lantern section telling you, like, you know, you can buy, I don't know, the, where is it at here? Let me see. Okay, okay. Uh Green Lantern the Silver Age Volume 1, Green Lantern the Silver Age Volume 2, you know, and it gives you the diamond code and how much it is and all this stuff and it just lists all lists it all. So I look at that and I'm like, well Green Lantern's nowhere to be found in here other than like very spotily. And then I'm like earlier before this episode, I'm paging through previews. And I'm looking to see in previews what sort of stuff they have. Because if any of you have ever gotten previews in the past, you know that previews is a big, massive catalog slash magazine. And the way they do things is previews is the big magazine, and then Marvel decided to do its own little insert, small little magazine for all of its solicits. Well, now DC has done the same as a DC solicit. So I'm paging through the Marvel solicits and the DC solicits and the previews, and in previews I see the solicit for the Green Lantern series by Grant Morrison, and that gets like front page billing and all this for the for the for the series. And then I see like the there's there's a, so, like some Christmas special thing happening. Uh, like uh, calling it like Nuclear Winter, the Nuclear Winter Special. It's like a post-apocalyptic thing, how the DCU celebrates, and it mentions Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and then it's just like, and various others. And I'm paging through previews, and there's a Batman Dawnbreaker shirt, and then there's that Yvonne Hayes statue of Green Lantern, and that's about it. And I'm just sitting here going, where the F is Green Lantern? And it's not – don't get me wrong. Mark and I have been like reviewing this stuff for a while, and it's not like we're wild by either one of them. We have our positives and we have our negatives about them, sure, but there are a great many people out there who really enjoy Green Lanterns or really enjoyed how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps are super excited for the, the Green Lantern Grant Morrison. But it's like we supposedly have this movie coming out. You know, people are. We need to get some people really jazzed and reinvigorated about the concept of Green Lantern. If we're going to have someone as as huge as Grant Morrison in charge of this title, where the hell is Green Lantern? It made sense for a little while before, but now it's getting to this point. Like, are we not even trying anymore? But I don't. I don't know how how to go about that because it almost sounds like. I'm being biased because clearly we love Green Lantern. But it's, I'm just noting noticing a huge lack of Green Lantern because especially like this DC Essential Graphic Novels 2018 thing. Batman, Superman. All right, cool. Here's Wonder Woman. All right, makes sense. Justice League. Flash. Okay. Here comes Green Lantern, right? Next page. Oh, Aquaman. All right, well, maybe Green Lantern now. No, Suicide Squad. All right, well, who's next? Teen Titans. Like... Where the hell is Green Lantern? DC is – this is a free magazine that gets distributed to a place like Barnes & Noble and given to people for free. This thing is widespread, and they're not talking about Green Lantern?
1: Nobody cares, man.
0: I just thought I'd bring it up. Like I I, I just –
1: I've been talking a lot. We are Go not, ahead. We are, we are not in the golden age. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. These are definitely not the, these may not be the end times for Green Lantern, but these are not, we are not in the golden age as far as I think from a personal perspective, from an overall sto- stories, let alone sales and interest in the character. And obviously they're still counting on getting a boost from Morrison, at least short term, which I'm sure they will. Uh, we still have yet to have any kind of a formal announcement of a second book, the one that we kind of expect we will be getting at some point, to replace Green Lanterns, but we haven't even heard that yet, so the longer it takes for them to announce it, probably you can... Whenever they announce it, you can pretty much almost take it to the bank. It's going to be at least two to three months after that before it comes out. Uh, so, yeah, I they're, they're certainly not doing ever, anything that would that would indicate that they're <laughs> They're making a, any kind of concerted effort to ramp up interest for a Green Lantern core movie, among other things. Not not just the only reason, but to try to get Green Lantern from a sales perspective and a relevance perspective back on track. Yes, it's good for you know, it's good for DC that they got more. They got a really big name writing. A Green Lantern book, obviously the biggest name since Jeff Johns became big. <laughs> it wasn't uh, argue, arguably bigger than Green Jeff Johns himself. Oh, certainly, but he was, and this—that's where I was going with it. Based on where he was when he first kind of like got on that book, it did rebirth and everything else. Yes, Morrison is at a bigger plateau right now than Johns was right when he was starting to, to take over to do the Hal stuff. There's no doubt about that. Uh so he's the most well-established writer, certainly with the biggest name to have been doing at the time that he was doing Green Lantern stuff. Yeah, he's certainly been. There's no doubt about that. There's nobody even come close in in over what, over ten years now, or close to ten years. So, still doesn't mean that I'm overly th- enthralled with the concept of his book, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it goes. It could go either way. But yeah, and I just it just seems like is just not much of an in, not much of a they just don't seem all that interested right now or or which good
0: it just really bothers me because it look it makes sense there's not a lot happening right now and there's not a lot of huge stuff out there but at the same time whenever you're trying to ramp up interest in something you don't just wait till the last last minute and then blitz the market with all sorts of merchandise it takes a bit of time. You're going to want to slowly like, oh, there's a couple more Green Lantern shirts and figures out there. There's a couple of more uh, reprints of some old school trades. Uh, wow, they're doing this and that. Like you don't this, this the solicit for Grant Morrison's Green Lantern number one issue is in this DC previews. And then there's a Dawnbreaker shirt and then that that uh, statue. And statues are already in the works for quite a long time because there's a lot of production behind that stuff. So it's not like they made anything specific, and the reason the Dawnbreaker shirt is out there is because they're still capitalizing on metal. They don't give a crap about the Green Lantern-specific aspect of it. They're just trying to get out shirts related to Batman metal because there's like a uh, Red Death one and there's a the Batman Who Laughs shirt. Like It's all in a series. So it's just out there as part of metal. It's not, so neither of those two other Green Lantern-related solicits have anything to do with capitalizing on the Grant Morrison stuff. Like you would think they'd be pushing it a little bit more. And it's just like they've just completely stopped caring. And, if, and, and nothing is more evident to me than this DC Essential Graphic Novels magazine. Because this thing goes out to the mass public. This isn't something that you can only get at your local comic shop for free. It's at freaking Barnes and Noble for free. So I don't like this. I asked him, like, yeah, the reason I asked him about it is because he's, you know, I just saw something, a big DC logo. So, oh, what's that? And he's like, oh, do you like that? Here, here, take this. And then he told me that they typically give this to people. are buying graphic novels and stuff in the store so like anybody who buys anything like geek related there at the store gets this sort of a thing for free so so dc can be in their hands and they can go okay well what else can i get in the future and green lantern is barely a presence in this thing
1: i think what one of the one of the areas in which we've seen the Lack of interest from DC, or and you can't necessarily blame them because because clearly the, their their interest in putting out merchandise greatly matches or correlates with the interest from the fan base in wanting the merchandise or how popular the character or there's you know or the the buzz around the character it seems to be or the storyline involving the character. So we know real we know there's been not, there haven't been really any storylines in related to Green Lantern that have really been Awe-inspiring, or transcended just your regular monthly book stuff for a while. But that being said, we all, we we also saw even when once we got past Brightest Day, especially we 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 saw how the merchandising for Green Lantern was starting to really come down. Uh, we still get stuff. We still get stuff. I mean, we mostly statues. I think more more than anything. Once in a while, we'll get some figures. We will still get some Green Lantern figures here and there, and we do get an occasional statue. But like you said, a lot of statues are, are in production for a while, and they have to be have to be in production for a while even before they have the prototype to start advertising. But you really, you I think you really see the difference like when it comes to like T-shirts and things like that. I mean, it used to be back in back during you know the gold, the the height of the Jeff Johns era. I mean, friggin' every single month of previews there'd be like at least one or two new green lantern shirts and now there's like nothing i mean pretty much you won't i mean very rarely do you see the when i've looked at previews you, you don't you just don't see much right now it's yeah
0: I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking for like blackest night levels of merch oh no i but, i know that was the odd man out that's not something we as fans should expect at all times but it's just weird like I, I would even understand, like, if I keep coming back to it, but it's really what kicked off this line of thought. This this DC Essential Graphic Novels guide I wouldn't mind seeing Green Lantern have his own page even after the Teen Titans or something. Because, you know, maybe the Teen the, the Teen Titans have that Teen Titans go to the movie thing. And Suicide Squad had the big movie and then they were doing like the new comics and video games and stuff related to them. Flash has got the TV show. Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman are always going to be like towards the upper echelon. I get that. But to not even have a Green Lantern page, even just one. like it just makes it, they're, they're, it's not that like it's not like you're looking at this going, oh, Green Lantern interest must be low. You look at this and go, Green Lantern interest, DC has no interest in it right now. And it's just like that makes no sense to me. I understand that characters have highs and lows. I mean there was a time like when the – was it the Legion of Superheroes and the Firestorm book when it was the Fury, Firestorm, the Nuclear Man, when that was coming out with uh, Jerry Conway and stuff. Like those were like the two big books at DC. Like everything has cycles and things will, will go up and things will go down. But that's different. Firestorm is a different character than Green Lantern. And don't get me wrong, I do love both. But let's be honest, it's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, and Green Lantern. And maybe Aquaman, Cyborg, Martian Manhunter, if you want to keep going on that list. But I mean, like, come on. Green Lantern is, like, in the top five when you name them. And he's not even focused on right now. Not, 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 he's not. Overlooked, he's not being overshadowed, he is non existent in the minds of DC. It seems maybe that'll change after issue one comes out with Grant Morrison, but I kind of feel like you should have something out there for the people who pick up issue one or, and are like, Oh crap, I am back into Green Lantern now because I went to Dallas uh, a few weeks ago with my brother-in-law. He had a couple of jobs up there. I had seen this ad for something called the Cidercade in a box of a uh, variety pack of cider I'd bought. And I was like, "$10 all you can play <laughs> uh, um, uh, arcade games, like 150 arcade games, 24 ciders on draft, like all this stuff because I don't like beer, but I like cider and liquor and stuff, so go over there. Just tag along with him. But as as I'm waiting for him to join me at the Cidercade next door, I found a game store and a comic book store. And I was like, I'm going to kill some time over here first. And then I'll meet him over, over at the cider cave. And in the game store, they have those meta X cards. And there's like a green lantern card pack and stuff like that. So I got a few of those for the show. I'm going to do a video on them uh, and all that. I actually already recorded the video. I just need to edit it. (laughs) And, um, I got in a conversation with these people at the game store and these people were like, yeah, I mean, Green Lantern's cool, but I just – I mean, he hasn't really done anything. I don't really care about what's been – I haven't been keeping up with him. So I don't really know what's been going on with him. It just – none of it seems to interest me lately. And I would write, well, you know who they're bringing on, this, on, on the title now? No, who is Grant Morrison? And he stops. And this good dude's maybe five, ten years older than me, and he goes, that I'm picking up. <laughs> He's like, that's all he needed to know. He's curious about Green Lantern on, like, sort of the outskirts, but, like, Graham Morrison on that title? Oh, I'll give that a shot. And there's got to be tons of people out there like that. So to not have anything out there to help stoke the fires of this first issue sale, like, I I don't know. It just seems odd to me.
1: No, I think you're right. I think it's... Just kind of like a culmination of what I think what we've been seeing. Maybe maybe this is like the rock bottom of it. Maybe the more Morris, maybe Morrison will start the uptick in what they want to do, and maybe they actually do have a plan. Maybe they do have a cohesive. That's a laugh, I guess. Uh, it's hard for me to even finish the sentence, honestly. But maybe, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but maybe they do have. Let's leave out the word cohesive. The word for today is cohesive. <laughs> that let's. Maybe they do have some sort of plan that in, that the Morrison relaunch is a first step of to try to make Green Lantern. I don't want to say great again; that'd be too easy to uh, to build up the interest in in Green Lantern and give the character and the core a bigger presence again in the overall DCU. Not just because because who knows if we're ever going to see that movie anyway? We can't really we can't take it to the bank that movie's ever really being made at this point. <laughs> But even if even if they really do have the heart set on doing it again, that maybe at least from the comic book perspective, they do need to give a higher get Green Lantern to be more important and and have it be a higher profile character and stories with those characters again. So maybe they do have a plan. Maybe, but we'll but we'll see. But right now, yeah, right now we're definitely in a this is a pretty less than thrilling time. And that has nothing to do with you know the Jurgens book, uh, and it has nothing to do with even the end of the Robert Venditti era, but it just has to do with. I think it's magnified by the fact that there's just less there's just less material right now. <laughs> one uh-huh. book one book is gone. There's only one book going on that. What 54? would came out today? Yesterday. So we have what three more issues of that title before it ends. And no plan yet
0: no, on the horizon yeah, to replace it like
1: we said no official announcement yet of what if it, you know we still assume there will be a second book at some point in the near future but again the longer it takes for them to announce it the, the more distant that near future becomes and the Morrison book doesn't know what starts in November so we so it's kind of and that's gonna be what just a monthly book so yeah it's 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 yeah, it's a weird time it's a weird time I mean it's a free a freeze Chad and I up, theoretically, to do a lot of other stuff that we've talked about doing, but on the same token, it's kind of somewhat it's also kind of depressing how how we've seen the amount of new material just kind of keep dwindling <laughs> during the course of our run from the four books that were there when we started uh, and then yeah, that's kind of where we are <laughs>
0: Well, that's how, that's how I wanted to kick off everything, but uh, what what do you have on your doc? I guess we'll just go back and forth. What do you want to talk about?
1: Let's let's do something that at least we we both might have a little bit of interest in to start with. So, what did you think of the Captain Marvel pictures?
0: Uh, those look pretty cool. Uh, so I guess I guess the early images of her in that green suit were her with Starforce,
1: right? That would seemingly be the case, yes.
0: Yeah. So those the green version of her suit is her with Force and like the beginnings of of, of the whole thing. Then we got the photos of her in the main suit. We got the de-aged uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. And the cool shot of those scrolls. Uh, I don't know. It all looks cool. It's just like... <laughs> I, I don't think Brie Larson understands what breaking the internet means. <laughs> <laughs> because she posted on Twitter something like, Hey, EW, are you ready to break the internet tomorrow? And I guess out of context... I mean, in context, when she says EW... You know it's not. You should have known it's not going to be a trailer, but just some new photos is not really breaking the internet. I mean, maybe it is if you're huge into the, like if 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 you live and breathe the Marvel MCU, if you live and breathe for Captain Marvel, maybe that's something. But it's just like I don't think there's ever been a point where, including for the Green Lantern movie, where EW has released some some pictures uh, of a movie, and I've just been like, oh, cool. Like, the Green Lantern movie, obviously we're a little bit more psyched for, but even then, I wasn't like, it, it doesn't have the same impact on me as like a new trailer does.
1: Yeah, I can I, I can see that. I think, and again, this is, and I could be wrong about this, but I I also think that people who are expecting Captain Marvel to be this huge, massive event Marvel movie. I I my personal take is they're kind of over <laughs> they're overvaluing that the odds of that happening. Uh, it just it's gonna do well. I don't think it's and yes we nobody saw thought Black Panther was gonna be big, but I think there are a lot more reasons for Black Panther being big than you know. It's not like I don't think I don't think Captain Marvel is gonna have that kind of that kind of draw. which doesn't mean it's, it won't do well, and it doesn't mean it can't be a breakout hit. It doesn't mean it even can't be like on a higher level of success than Ant Man, but yet not you know your typical a very your typical higher end of the Marvel scale these days when it comes to you know the their opening weekends and their overall box domestic certainly box office. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's still not. I mean, it's it's her. I mean, it's, her character is still not. You know, it's not like a. It's known to Marvel comic book fans, but it's still not. In the heart and soul of the of the Marvel Universe, I think to a large part of people. It depends when you grew up. I think it really depends on when you grew up. Plus, a lot of people, when they think of Captain Marvel, when they do think of the Marvel version, they think of uh, Marvel. You know, they, that's who they think of. They don't think of Carol Danvers, or even some people might think of Mo, what what Monica Rambeau, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting that they have those other pictures of uh, what Maria Rambeau, who I guess was a pilot. Who's going to be a pilot alongside Carol Danvers? So obviously they are setting up the potential down the road to have to have Monica Rambeau be a Captain Marvel or another, or a, 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 certainly a character in the a, in the superhero verse there in the MCU, not just a supporting character. Since they're obviously set, they're setting the stage for that by introducing by introducing what her mother or who will so. Uh, I think the pick. I mean, the, obviously, the colorful outfit is a hell of a lot better than the Cree outfit. I mean, I think that's that's a slam dunk. I I think people kind of knew that. That's what a, you know. I think it was a lo- Every logical, everything pointed to the fact that that was going to be the earlier outfit when she was more tied to the Cree, as opposed to maybe like, to, to being more independent and doing her own thing, which is kind of what seemingly the you know the blue and the red, and gold uniform. Uh, probably symbolizes. The scrolls don't look bad. I mean, they don't look anything special either. Mm-hmm. They kind of look. They kind of look like the elves from a Dark World a little, and they kind of look like uh, a whole bunch of aliens or, or go- and goblins and orcs and things we've seen before. But you know, I don't know if the scrolls are that. I don't know if the scrolls are that super unique just by their by their facial structures anyway. I mean, you're recognizable, but I don't know if it's like you know such a, a weird thing that that it's hard to uh, duplicate, or, that, oh my god, if you don't make it look exactly right, you know, but if you, if you did make them, I should say, look exactly right, they'll, they'll look completely different than anything else. I don't really think that was true with the, with the scrolls. I mean, I'm interested in the movie, I am interested in the movie, I'm certainly interested in to see how that, how it all ties together, mostly to see how it sets her up for where she is and why she's, wherever she is, you know, when Infinity War <laughs> begins. Why she'd been gone for like 20 plus years. Other than that, pictures are cool. Uh, I think it's. But again, I think I, they they really are dragging their feet on putting this trailer out.
0: Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like that we should have had one by now. Quite honestly,
1: and I even a
0: teaser. Like
1: I don't care. We need something by now. And it's not. I mean, it's not life or death because of the fact that what this. Which when does this movie come out? Is this is this March or February? It's
0: before Infinity War four, right?
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: are Avengers four, yeah.
1: I'll I'll look look it up in a second. That uh, so it's not critical that a trailer hasn't come out for it yet. I mean, when you really when you really think about it, the way it's the way it's going, we're, we're probably not going to get a friggin' trailer for uh, Avengers four until the beginning of next year, and the movie's going to come out in May unless they push it back up to the end of April again.
0: I mean, quite honestly, Avengers Four could could come out with no trailer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they they they, (laughs) and and still break the bank.
1: (laughs) They do have the benefit of that, but it but it's I mean, especially because it was a cliffhanger. I mean, when you when you leave something at the end of a cliffhanger, three eight day after my birthday, that's when it's supposed to come out. So they still have time to release trailers. But yeah, I I, I do agree with you. I think I think it is kind of odd, and. I think it would be in their best interest to put it out soon, but who knows? Like we talked about, seemingly there was a lot of talk that there was going to be a bunch of things coming out this month related to Marvel. Obviously, this is hopefully for Marvel's sake just the tip of the iceberg or stuff they're going to talk about or announce. But maybe who knows? Maybe by the end of the month, you know, we'll get we'll at least get a, a teaser trailer for for Captain Marvel. But it was one of the bigger items of the of this week, so I figured we might as well jump into that quick. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, what, what, what should we go? Uh, did you get a chance to write, flip through or read either of the issues I posted?
1: You will be surprised and and happily to to hear that I actually read both of the issues, Chad.
0: Oh, <laughs> awesome. Okay, so that, that, that's good. That gives, that gives me something to go off of. So uh, w- sometimes we get asked uh, what we're reading, um, and for uh, you know comics, it can be DC, Marvel, indie. Uh, whatever. And I'm reading a ton of stuff, you know, I'm, I'm downloading things here and there from both companies. Like, uh, for instance, Marvel just started up their Spider-Geddon thing and in, uh, X-Men Gold number, I don't know, 30, maybe something like that. Uh, Rogue and Gambit got married and then that kicked off the whole Mr. and Mrs. X series, which I've been reading and is really, really good. Um, you know, stuff like that. But I also like reading, uh, trying some new things from various indie companies, um, like uh, Image and uh, IDW, uh, Dark Horse on occasion, um, but mostly Image, IDW, and sometimes Boom. Uh, I I read a lot of stuff uh, from them. and. Uh, I just wanted to mention a couple of things because lots of people are looking for new indie stuff. They, they get a little uh, – there's moments as a reader that you get sick of reading superhero comics or reading something from the big two, and you, you want to branch out and try other things. So I figured I'd, I'd take this moment since we're doing a hodgepodge. and well,
1: That's our episode title. <laughs> <giant>. Hodgepodge. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag hodgepodge.
0: Pop, pop culture hodgepodge? There we go.
1: I can live with that. Uh, I honestly can live with almost anything, but I, I would prefer not to geek stuff. But
0: <laughs> pop culture hodgepodge. There we go. Okay, I can do
1: that. Right. I'll, I'll scribble it down. You can carry on. <laughs> uh
0: so I've been reading a couple of things. These both of these I'm about to mention are are from image. Um so uh one is called Port of Earth. Uh now Port of Earth issue number uh, eight came out not too long ago, Uh, so it's relatively new-ish, but it's been out for a little while. Uh, It is by Zach Kaplan, Andrea Muddy, and Vladimir Popovov. Not Putin.
1: Not Putin. Putin.
0: (laughs) And uh, Volume 1, which is collecting the first four issues, is out. An Image, for the most part... Uh, if it's not like a limited series, if it's an ongoing series, the volume one of that series, the trade paperback will be uh, reduced. It's a $9.99 trade. So if you're interested in getting it and trying it out, it's definitely worth it. The, the, it's, it's a really fantastic idea, I think, on on, uh, on any company's part, is to make the first volume cheap so people can see if they want to get into it without having to hunt down back issues and crap like that. Um but let me read the solicit here, or rather the the back of the of the comic. It says, "What if aliens came to Earth not in peace or in violence, but in business with one simple deal: open up a spaceport here on Earth in exchange for advanced technology. But when our alien visitors break port restrictions and wreak havoc in our cities, it." F- falls to the newly formed Earth Security Agency to track down and safely deport the dangerous rogue aliens back to the port of Earth. When a deadly alien kills an innocent person on the California coast, ESA agents Rick and McIntyre must hunt the alien down while balancing between strict agency protocols and the protection of human lives. A gritty, politically charged action thriller from Zach Kaplan from Eclipse... Andrea Muddy from Rebels, Star Wars, Batman Eternal, and Prometheus. So, I've been reading it. I've been enjoying the art, but I just really enjoyed the concept because when you just like the back of it says, it says, uh, like just I'll just read this this uh, this first page of uh, of um, narrative text. It says. We always knew we weren't alone. We looked to the stars with hope, with fear, with anticipation, wondering when we met them. Would they come in peace or in violence? Then one day it happened. They made contact. They came not in peace or in violence, but in business with a proposition. (laughs) Uh, So basically what it is is these aliens make contact with us and make a port uh, outside of San Francisco – And basically, it's a spaceport. Like, they they come down, they build this port in the San Francisco Bay because they know how to convert uh, water into fuel. Well, they're going to, in exchange for allowing the use of our port on our planet, they're going to give us that technology to solve our energy crisis. So just the the simple premise, like I didn't even care at the time I read it what the business proposition itself was, but the idea of they're not here to fight us, they're not here to live with us, they're not here... Quite honestly, the port of Earth is restricted. No humans are really allowed there uh, other than, you know, the ESA, and even then very strictly. So you're not really even allowed to contact them. It's just they're allowed to come in and and refuel and, and continue along their way. So... Just the idea that not in violence, not to work with us, but they came with a business proposition <laughs> that was really intriguing to me. So I, I definitely read it, and I've been enjoying it ever since. What do you think of the first issue?
1: I like the premise. I and mo, and I think the stuff in the first half of the first issue I really liked. As it kind of was going on, I kind of saw where potentially where this was going with the political aspects of it, of what of. The real world politics being brought into this hypothetical, you know, non-real situation. So, I, I would be in, intra I would be interested in reading a little bit more. But I could see how it could not, depending how heavy-handed the politics of it go, I could see how I would not be interested in it. Uh, so I, I conceptually I liked it. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was well, well written. Especially like the first again the first half of the book, I thought it started slowing down a little bit. Actually, once they established, you know, the uh, when we ha- when the Earth Security Force to deal with the aliens that was that the EFA, whatever
0: uh, ESA Earth ESA. Security Agency. I knew it was
1: close. Uh, that that that's when it started becoming a little bit less interesting to me. And then maybe that's because when the because you kind of had that's when I thought the politics were kind of being a little. Little heavy-handed. I was interested in uh, you know what what the what the what the aliens themselves you know the uh, the business our business partners there what they're really what mm. their what their ultimate goal was and 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 everything else. Uh, that part intrigued me. I would say that that part intrigued me more, but because we didn't get to see a lot of that really. You,
0: you, you sort of do in like in tangent because they they use the same uh, storytelling technique that. I think was maybe most popularized in either maybe Watchmen or something like The Dark Knight Returns, where like someone is being interviewed on TV and they're showing that as part of sort of the narrative of what's been going on this whole time. Uh, So you sort of get the – you're you're seeing what's happening live with the ESA agents tracking down this alien while also someone is being interviewed on TV – about the way this deal works what we get out of it so on and so forth the the politics of it but it's being contrasted against the real world uh uh, actionable stuff that's happening with those esa agents you're reading about so i so you don't necessarily see the alien perspective you you see the human cover-up sort of thing
1: gotcha that's true. That. Can- yeah, that's true. That even in the first issue, that part of it is kind of during the interview part. That the the all the all too uh, sleazy looking, you know, bureaucrat kind of that kind of gives you the impression that you know that you know you know something bad's going on. All
0: right. Uh, and the other one I'm reading uh, is the Death of Love. Now this is done. This one is, 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 is finished. There may be another series down the line because uh, I thought it sold pretty well. But it's Death of Love 1 through 5, so this is not under the image banner of the first volume. It's uh, cheaper because it's a limited series. This one's $16.99 U.S. Uh, it is uh, by uh, Justin Jordan and artist uh, Donal DeLay. So if you recognize Justin Jordan, he wrote New Guardians. So, just FYI. And it says here on the back, Love sucks, and Philo Harris is going to do something about it. After a particularly bad drunken decision gives him the ability to see the Cupidae, the creatures that make love work, Philo ends up going to war with love itself, with a chainsaw. (laughs) Um, So this one, the art is crazy. (laughs) Uh, it's not, uh, so artsy and weird looking that you can't really get into it, but it does have this good premise. And, and the reason I got sucked into it, I'll be quite honest with you. I used to be that, I, uh, uh, well, hold on. I, I am that guy who is friends with a ton of girls. I have more girl friends than guy friends. Um, but I'm straight and single. <laughs> so as you can imagine, uh, I used to get into the trope of like, oh they keep putting me in the friend zone and blah 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 and so this this thing really attacks that mentality because quite honestly it's it's basically you're expecting something from the friendship essentially you're saying i'm nice to her why won't she sleep with me is essentially what what you're saying there which is which when you break it down like that you're just like yeah that is sort of icky and gross and not really respectful. Of this person you've come to call friend. Uh, so, uh, but uh, so I, I was just reading it, and this guy uh, Philo, he's he's into this chick, and he has a, a guy friend and roommate, and he's always bitching and complaining to him and bitching and complaining to her. And then one night he just gets pops this pill and starts seeing these Cupids everywhere. And eventually goes to war with them because uh, my love life sucks and it's all their fault. <laughs> blah, 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 but I just I don't know, man. I, you you read the first issue? What did you think?
1: I thought the first issue was really well written. I thought it was it was cute. It was clever. I was actually interested. I was interested in the you know in the main characters. Uh, again, I was kind of I was I was you know. I cl- I was interested in you know the whole you know the, the attempt you know kind of like the, the the offer from the devil kind of concept to try to for, with all these guys to try to get them uh kinda the taste of the good life if you will <laughs> so I liked I liked that and I some and I kind of was intrigued a little bit about you know how it, you kind of you, you kind of one of those things where you kind of begin with the you kind of begin when you know. The first couple of pages, you know, some weird shit's gonna be going on, and then of course it goes back to you know how how you get, basically how you kind of almost got into that position. I was less. I think I actually was a little less interested in the the, the crazy killer Cupids than than I was with, with the other characters. So it's kind of like I I read some of the some of the comment or the you know the the tech stuff at the end that Justin had, and when he's calling like you know his main character an asshole and stuff like that. I don't know if that. I think that might have been laying it out a little bit.
0: Maybe, but the, I mean, it's one of those things. The more you read, uh, the more you understand. Because I definitely felt the same way uh, in the beginning, uh, at least with the first issue. But the more you read, you're, he really ups the ante on how selfish Philo is. Okay. So it's he's definitely an asshole. Um, so yeah, it's just.
1: I don't know. Uh,
0: I I I. So you did read that stuff in the back.
1: Uh, I I did. I'm not gonna say I read all of it verbatim. I kind of I kind of flipped flipped through some of it. Uh, because first I wasn't sure exactly. I wasn't sure if initially if that was like gonna be the you know the was the pitch for the book and stuff like that. But then I read I read I read the beginning and I, and that's the part that's the part that really I gravitated towards when kind of talking about oh you know he's an asshole I know he's an asshole blah 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 and it's like. Which certainly was an interesting take on when, if you're, if you're writing about that, but it is also, it is, it is interesting on, a, potentially on another level, too. It's like, hey, this, this is your main character, and he's a dick, so keep reading my book. <laughs> like, but I understand, which I understand based on kind of what he was saying, more after you explain, you know, how, how it kind of plays out a little bit, but it still wasn't, it still certainly isn't, an, it's an interesting take on, you know, analyzing your own. You know, your own um, motives and, yeah, stuff. And, your, and, and, and everything else
0: yeah this is this is from uh, from the death of love number four uh, and it's the it's the text page at the back and this is like the last uh, the last uh, pay, the last paragraph or two because at the end of the day the friend zone is a portal to the demi plane of fear it is letting the nightmare of what if drain your resolve and lead you to adopt the platonic best friend backdoor gambit You get caught in the friend zone because you acted like a friend, not a lover. If you want to be a lover, you have to show it. You have to use your words to make it clear that while you admire them and care for them, respect them and enjoy their company, what you want more than anything else is their love. Don't ask to, quote, hang out sometime or to, quote, get out to get together. But do what Johnny Testosterone and every other bad boy before you did. Ask them for a date, an unquestionable, undeniable date. You open yourself up, make yourself vulnerable, and show yourself in your naked state, ready to accept the truth. Because the friend zone is built from lies. You lie when you present yourself as a friend with no other agenda. You lie when you mask your intent rather than risk being turned down. No friend offers their friendship with strings, making their relationship contingent on the possibility of a sex upgrade path. (laughs) If you want to be a lover, then be a lover. If you want to escape the friend zone, then like the demons of old, you must deny the friend zone's hold over you. Date or do not date. You know the rest.
1: <laughs> and and there is a lot of there is a lot of truth in that, but but again, as we know, when you when you paint things with a broad brush, it leaves out it leaves out oh yeah it leaves out the and, out, outliers because it certainly even when, while you were while you were reading that it leaves out the the natural progression or change in a relationship, which does True. happen, which is people who ne- legitimately start out as friends and then one usually again be- talking about stereotypes of the friend zone, usually what tends to happen is one of the two people will develop more feelings for the other person because of how much time they spend. It's usually not a mutually, you know, mutually benef- uh, beneficial kind of like change, but only one person tends to get that vibe, and that's so.
0: and then there's of course the people you're with and and this can be either girls or guys but coming from my own experience those girls you're with who like get affectionate around you when they want attention uh you know when they're out and about and they're not getting attention from other guys or the girls that get drunk and want to make out with you but you know in the sober light of day they don't want they want to pretend that nothing ever happened or you know it did happen but like oh we really shouldn't do this and then the next time they're alone with you or whatever they do it again and it's just like but that's so few and far between it's like it's hardly even worth mentioning because the friend zone as defined really fits you know when when you say she put me in the friend zone you're really referring to this particular thing The, the the girls that like capitalize on your affection and stuff knowing full well that nothing's going to happen but like to tease you like that Let's just be, let's face it, the, the, those are not the sort of people you should be hanging out with in the first place, anyways. Uh, so, and, and any guys that do that to women are also cra- crappy. So, but I, I just, I really liked it. I know you don't read a lot of stuff outside of like the stuff we already read for the show uh, and your few interests here and there. So, I was really curious what you thought about those. Yes,
1: they both, they both were, they both were good reads. They both were, they both were intriguing. Um, so, they're, they're, good call, good call, Chad.
0: <laughs> so that's uh, that's Port of Earth and that's Death of Love. So if you guys are looking to pick up something, give those two a shot. And like I said, the first volume of Port of Earth collects the first four issues and it is uh, nine ninety nine. So take a look for that. Uh, what do you want to talk about
1: next? Uh, I'm trying to think what was on my list. Um, did you actually get to watch the Halloween trailer? I did. Now you watched. The, I should have prefaced this because it, you watched, watched the one the that most began with. The, one. What?
0: I watched the most recent one.
1: Right, but but there's but that's why I. You watched the one with the begins with everybody on the, the kids on the street, right? Yeah, trick or treating. Okay, uh, and I only say that because technically speaking, there also was an international trailer that released yesterday as well, and that one kind of focused more on Laurie. When the one that the official trailer, number two, the, the domestic trailer pretty much focuses mostly on Michael Myers. So that's that's why I thought about it after the fact. I assumed you ended because it was much easier to it was it was much easier to find trail. The uh, domestic trailer It was really hard because they didn't really just label it as the international trailer. But that's well, yeah,
0: one. I, I saw one that had a lot of Lori in it. So uh, like it towards the second half of the trailer. So maybe that's the one I saw, but it did start off with kids trick or treating. No. If and he go he goes into he goes into a garage. Yeah,
1: that's handler. that's the one. That's that is the that is the official second trailer. I mean, I know she I know she is in this trailer a decent oh, amount, okay. but I mean it. This is overall this is a much more Michael Myers centric trailer because of, you know the whole beginning of the move the whole beginning of the trailer is him. You get the stuff at the cemetery. You get a you get a lot more. And the other the other one has Michael Myers stuff in it too, but it's it begins it kind of all it, there's a there's a lot more I think Laurie there's more much more about Laurie Strode's uh that's the way, but these people have generally separated the two trailers. That one is this that this one the domestic is more Michael Myers centric, and this one it's a little the other one was more Laurie centric. So you have so you pretty much have no, you have like no background in any of these movies, right?
0: No, uh, as a kid, I didn't watch a lot of horror because it scared me. And as an adult, I don't, don't watch a lot of horror, mostly because I'm just not interested in it. Because I didn't grow up with it, because I didn't have, like, my classic horror films or anything like that, because I didn't get an appreciation for the genre. It's so hard to attain said ap- – I just really am not really that into it anymore.
1: I can understand that, but... Uh... So I guess so. We better break. We better analyze for, for me, or we better throw it to you for analyzing just as a, just as a piece of filmmaking, <laughs> more than than, than, than having any, any inherent tie to the mythology or to the movies as a whole. So
0: so so did, is Michael so, My- is Michael Myers an old dude wearing a mask? Is he somehow deformed? Is he somehow supernaturally immortal now? Like what? What's the
1: well, the the supernatural part is always has always been the mystery, has been the mystery in the sense that
0: Because she's saying things like 40 years ago and blah blah blah.
1: Oh, okay. So let me so for so my brief filling you in on and what you need to know is the Michael the Michael Myers mythology is back in when he was a little kid, when he was 6 years old in 1963, he killed he killed his sister, his oldest his older sister Judith. And then he then he was locked up in an institution for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And in 1978 he escaped and he went back home to Haddonfield, which is where he was, you know, where he was from. And then he he basically that the Halloween day and into the evening, was, then the evening is when he did all the killing, pretty much. He pretty, pretty much for some reason, because now they changed the mythology, that he was after he was after the, Laurie Strode. He ended up killing her best friends and he tried to kill her. She she fought him off and then you know uh, the Donald Pleasants character Dr. Loomis who was a psychiatrist who knew because of knowing Michael Myers that he would that he was going to go back home again. They, they tracked him down, shot him six times, and then he looked out off the balcony at the end of the first movie. And of course, where you first you saw him laying after he got shot six times, and then he was hmm. gone. And then of course, Halloween two, the original Halloween two picks up right after. And as the, the series has gone on, the, the movies have become well, there's like all basically with, what Halloween has become is this, it's almost like alternate timelines to begin with with Halloween because in some versions some of these some of the events follow each other and some they completely go a different path and it's hard to make all of them fit into one. But as time has gone on, Michael Myers as a character has always kind of become more and more supernatural. You, it's pretty clear that you can't kill him. This movie's approach is that it's going this forgets all the other sequels. So this is like an alternate timeline in which the 1978 movie took place. And then this movie happens, that there are no other sequels. This essentially is like a new Halloween 2. So Michael Myers has been, was was captured and after the end of Halloween, how they're going to make that work, you know, is some people are nervous about Are they going to like, are they going to kind of do a, a retcon of how the movie ended? Did he not get shot all those times? Did he, you know, were they just not all fatal shots and he survived, but he was seriously wounded? But he got captured shortly after the end of Halloween, and he's been locked up for 40 years. And then this stupid documentary crew comes to comes comes not comes calling, and probably because they make it clear, I'm guessing at this point, that Laurie is actually still alive. Uh, although one thing I did leave out, which I should go back, it's not relevant now in, in this movie, but in the mythology. In Halloween 2, what you find out was that, that Michael and Laurie were related, that Laurie was actually Michael's little sister. Hmm who was put up who was put up who was put up for adoption after I think uh, after the stroke after the, the liar's, her, her parents. so
0: the thought is somehow he senses this and wants to kill his other sister that's why he went after her. yeah
1: and because and, and, and because and it created a timeline which is kind of funny because all this stuff supposedly came to John Carpenter just pulled this stuff supposedly out of his ass when he was writing Halloween 2 because he didn't have any other story to tell but he was obligated kind of to do a sequel so but It makes sense because he killed Judith when Judith was 18. Laurie was 18 in 1978. So it kind of made a reason why, after sitting pretty much catatonic for 15 years, why he would all of a sudden now try to escape. Hmm. The the weird thing about this is the fact that now he's he's seemingly going – they're seemingly setting it up where he's after revenge against Laurie just because he didn't get to kill her. But yet, there's no relation between the two. So that seems so. That's the part from as a fan of the series, it's kind of harder for me to justify why when when based on this the new established timeline, this timeline, he just picked uh, Laurie literally randomly. That there was no real that there was no reason to pick her as opposed to once Halloween two came out, then it was like oh yeah, he picked her because it was a sister and he was after mm-hmm. her the whole time. Now because of the way they're re- doing they're doing this, you know. Scrapping all that, it kind of seems weird to me as a Halloween guy that he's was he been sitting there for 40 years and maybe not even having a time frame for when he was going to escape. But then just because they mentioned, oh, by the way, Lori Strode and she's still alive and she's in Haddonfield, that's supposedly going to be the catalyst, seemingly by the trailers, uh, to get Michael Myers to say, well, now's the time for me to go back home again.
0: Right. So is, is there something wrong with him or is it a mask?
1: It's... It's just okay. a mask. And
0: now, so so now, what, so what you're on, saying is he's not like a Jason Voorhees. He's, no. He's no, just no, he's no, just no, older no, now no. and escaped a mental institution. Okay. Yeah,
1: because he used he used a little clown mask he 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 uh was trick or treating as a clown in that Halloween night when he killed his sister, so he had the the mask on that correlated with the clown. Not like a full goofy, scary clown, just like a little thing that goes over your eyes. Like office, a sad clown, like a, yeah. Like a dom, like a, no, more like a domino. Oh, okay. Well, kind of like more like a domino mask, but it kind of had a nose gotcha. on it. So that's what he used when he killed Judith. When he escaped, you know, he broke into he broke into like a local hardware store and and, and got the legendary mask that he had that he had in Halloween. And this mask obviously is supposed to be the same exact mask. How those reporters, how the, that crew, documentary crew, ended up getting it, I'm sure there'll be a story for that in the movie. But that's the original. That's you know, he's supposed to be the older version of the original mask he used in '78 that he eventually gets back, and that's why.
0: Well, I mean, it it looked interesting. Again, for a genre I don't really care about or follow, it looked interesting. Uh, it, it, It also made me wonder if there's more to it than that. Like, maybe this isn't the Michael Myers. Maybe it's somebody else or something, because it almost seems too straightforward. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost too straightforward in terms of, like, escape mental patient is going to kill someone. She's after him to kill him before he kills other people. And then they get trapped in some sort of a house or something in a situation where they're, they're, they're hunting each other and that's about it. You know, it can only win one of two ways. She kills him. He kills her. But it almost seems like there has to be a twist in there. Like it's not him or there's, there's, there's something we don't know that's really going to shock us in this film because I, I just get this especially in this day and age it just seems like this is going especially if they're rebooting this this particular franchise if they're saying everything before it except for the first one didn't happen and all this there's got to be some sort of twist in this film that we're not expecting
1: I would I would tend to overall agree with you I think it would be it would be really really weird if it turned I mean obviously if they really if they really wanted to uh Throw things up in the air. You, you could come up. You do a story where basically almost the entire movie is like Laurie's delusion, where Michael Myers really didn't escape. He's really not there doing it, and, and and he's you know, or or you know, there's or there there's just something else going on that's not like you talked about. I don't think they'll entirely go that route. I think that would that would really piss people off if they did that. But speaking of that though, it does intrigue me that supposedly when they first did the initial t- testing of the of the movie while people tended to like the movie they supposedly really didn't like the ending hmm. so and then, then they went back and they, and they and they and they and they I think reshot the ending so it makes so as a fan and as a movie guy of course my natural instinct is to, to wonder what that original <laughs> ending was which hopefully you know when the DVD or Blu-ray comes out that they'll have that on or at least it will be mentioned like in the commentary or something if they don't put it on but I'm I'm intrigued by what what the movie w- how the movie actually is going to end, and then wonder what the ending really was that did not test positive. Mm. So I, but I am, and of course there's already you know there's already talk you know there was already talk that this there's, there's going to be a sequel because of the fact that you know Danny McBride and and what Gordon Green who who did this who basically did this movie, uh, John Carpenter is just an executive producer on it, but the, you know the, but they the other two wrote it and and uh, Gordon Green directed it that they first thought of almost filming two movies back to back and then of having filming them at the same time but they, they said they basically came to the conclusion that that kind of was a little presumptuous because if people hate the first movie then what the hell is the point of having the second one ready to go so I, I there's parts of it that I like there's parts of it that I like and I do think get captures that vibe of the original movie and not just the blatant stuff there's some stuff that are blatant through and that's something they that's something they said, despite the fact that in this timeline all the other sequels are not take had never taken place. But they said that they they were definitely throwing they were definitely throwing in things that were going to uh, basically be homages to all to the other Halloween movies. So people were going to know, like even in this trail. So just
0: like movies, are small things like visually, or are we talking like they're taking tidbits of plot points from each film that they liked and somehow making a hodgepodge? No.
1: I don't necessarily think there's anything plot point wise fully I but I but it's more like you said it's more visual cues like in the when he goes to get I think see he goes to get the, when he goes to get the hammer in the shed and I think when he picks up the hammer I think there's like a few locks on the ham on the on the table with the hammer that refers to something that happens in Halloween too along with the hammer because the same character the security guard who gets hammered in the head by Michael Myers just you know discovers that I think some of the locks were were broken at the hospital uh, when they when he goes into the when he when he takes the hammer and goes and kills the girl the the woman in the kitchen that definitely calls back to Halloween 2 the beginning of Halloween 2 because he goes in and misses he goes into the, the rod's house and he steals and he and he gets that's when he gets another knife because they were cutting ham on the cutting, like a cutting block and then she he reaches down and takes the knife and she comes back and she finds the knife gone but blood now on, over the cutting board and, and and the ham and you kind of see that in this after he kills the chick with the hammer and he goes over and he takes the knife while well, his hand doesn't appear to be bloody it does look like there's ham on the, you know, on that on the board where the knife mm-hmm. was. So things, so so things like that. I, and then when she's running and telling the kids, you know, you have to go home. It's not safe for you to be out tonight or whatever. Some of the three kids that have the skeleton mask, the pumpkin, and the, and the witch. Those are the three masks that were in Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Mm-hmm. They had nothing, but had nothing to do with anything to do with Michael Myers, because that's when they tried to branch off and do. And the anthology idea to do a different movie every year related to Halloween, but not Michael Myers. People just didn't like the fact that they didn't do Michael Myers. But the movie itself is pretty cool unto itself. Oh. If they didn't call it Halloween 3, I think I think now people appreciate it more, but even then, people would appreciate it more. Just like Kind of like Friday the 13th Part 5, if Jason had actually been the one killing people in Part 5, instead of it being an imposter, I think people would have liked that movie a lot, but they didn't because it was... So there's just there's a, there's thing there's things like that and I so I that's kind of a I and it's kind of and it's kind of cool it's kind of cool that they're doing that so I I did so I I like the trailer I think he he kind of does move a little too briskly for somebody who's 61 at this point because that's how, my, how old Michael Myers would be uh so and he doesn't move as stiff as I think he should because Michael Myers because that was the thing michael myers always was stiff some people in the original movie some people kind of forget that he actually didn't move slow in the first movie he actually moved at a pretty decent clip he just was very stiff the way he rounded corners the way the way he moved for the most part he was he was he was really he was rigid he was stiff now that became more so as the series came on halloween 2 kind of was the definition of that which different actor playing michael myers dick warlock you know stunt guy playing him who was in a lot of movies but dick warlock was he was very slow and very stiff so he just the, the difference between him going downstairs and just everything he was just very very slow and stiff so in this movie it just he doesn't look he certainly doesn't look as slow as he should be just because of his age but i think he it may he may not move quite stiff enough for me but i haven't seen enough of the real movie, like when he, like when he pull, when the girl opens the closet, which actually was at the end of the first trailer, and he has a knife about to come down on that kind of seemed like a Michael Myers, like a Michael Myers move, but so
0: yeah, I mean, it looked intriguing, it's, but it's just not my thing.
1: No, I know it's, it's so I, I, just figured I'd mention it because that kind of was the other big, you know, pop culture, movie-wise thing I think that really came out, that came out this week besides the Captain Marvel pictures. This was the because this movie is about to premiere either this weekend or next weekend at the Toronto Film Festival, Festival, actually. Um, so, But it's kind of weird because it's still like a month away from it actually being released everywhere. But yet at the Toronto Film Festival, it's going to be like its world premiere. So obviously, even, we're gonna, there's probably going to be a lot of reviews and probably full spoiler reviews from somebody uh, long before this movie comes out. But I'm intrigued. It's one of the two movies I'm most looking forward to. To finish the year, so that's why, that's why I've I volunteered to throw that one out there. All
0: right, uh, I'll talk about some of the stuff I saw in previews briefly. Um, first up, I, I, I sent this to you just because I know you're interested in the franchise. Did you get a chance to read the solicit for that uh, Alien Three?
1: I think I glanced over it this time. I knew it had to do because I, I I knew I knew of the concept. I, first of all, I knew they were doing a comic book because I remember hearing about it. But I also knew of the concept of the different of the eight thousand. Excuse me. Alien Three is one of those movies that it wasn't quite as bad as Freddy vs Jason from a, like a in a like a pre-production hell kind of thing. But there were so many different takes on Freddy vs Jason, like fifteen different kind of ideas. But Alien Three was kind of s- similar as far as for the for its time. They were a lot of different ideas and pitches of how to do. Ho- of how to do uh, alien three. So I do, we kind of, I do kind of, cause this was Gibson's. Mm-hmm. Right? This was Gibson, This was Gibson's. So I do kind of remember generally what Gibson's pitch was, but if it's in the solicit, if you want yeah, uh, to go verbatim, this
0: is the official adaptation of the original screenplay for alien three written by William Gibson, the award-winning science fiction author of the cyberpunk cult classic uh, neuromancer. Uh, you'll see familiar characters and places, but not all is the same in this horrifying Cold War thriller. After the deadly events of the film Aliens, the spaceship Satako? I don't know. Uh, Carrying the sleeping bodies of Ripley, Hicks, Newt, and Bishop is intercepted by the Union of Progressive Peoples. What the UPP forces don't expect is another deadly passenger that is about to unleash chaos between two governmental titans intent on developing the ultimate Cold War weapon of mass destruction. So it's William Gibson writer uh, Johnny Christmas as the writer-author slash cover. Uh, and uh, writer artist slash cover, uh, and the Tamra villain cover, and the Paulo Joe Rivera uh, variant cover. But it's uh, three ninety nine uh, on those November seventh from Dark Horse. And since you're interested, since you're interested in uh, Alien, I thought I'd bring that up.
1: Yeah, one of one of the most interesting. I had like the Oh God! I forget what they call it because they've had eight thousand versions of these box sets of Alien. Might be the anthology, might be the Alien anthology, or the it 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 doesn't have any of the it doesn't have any of the AVPs, and it certainly was long and it came out before uh, any of the prequels. But it does have all the four original four Alien movies. So on the so on the bonus discs, some some of the more interesting things are actually about Alien three, even though that's. I'm not the only one, I'm sure, who feels this way. The actual movie we got of Alien 3 is, is probably, probably my least favorite. <laughs> uh, I mean, Resurrection was no was nothing to write home about, but Alien 3, because I think, because from my, from my point of view, after you go, once you did Aliens, it's kind of hard to go smaller again. It was kind of like, I thought at that point you have to keep going bigger. Like you almost had to find what you know, the alien home planet, which of course now thanks to the prequels we realize there re- there really isn't an alien home planet. <laughs> but when you thought there was like an indigenous species somewhere that just somehow ended up being carried by the space jockeys and crashed on L V four two six You used to figure there was a homeworld somewhere, so you kinda you figured after aliens you'd have to go bigger instead of going back to just one small alien. I mean, from a claustrophobic perspective, I thought Alien Three was good. But there were a lot there were a lot of really weird ideas. Uh, and pitched by a lot of people, I, I, so I think, uh, it would be, it would be interesting to kind of see this, to see a comic book version of this, but again, I'm just, I'm, there wasn't any of, there wasn't any idea that I ever really liked of, for a pitch frame that I know of for Alien 3 that really grabbed me that much right but I certainly would be in, but I certainly would be interested in maybe like at least either picking up the first issue or skimming the first issue just to kind of see exactly what the uh, exactly where the, you know exactly where they're going with it
0: right Um. so a couple other things
1: uh, I sent you a couple
0: other things just uh, as well because I didn't want to overwhelm you the first time
1: uh, <laughs> boom. But, but doing it now while recording is just fine
0: but <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, as everybody knows, Firefly is a huge franchise. I love Firefly. I have the Firefly board game. I've got Firefly and Serenity on Blu-ray. Uh, I, I have a Firefly sticker on the back of my car. I love Firefly. But anyways, uh, Boom Studios is doing the next Firefly uh, adaptation, and it's Firefly number one, uh, and it's going to be November 14th for three ninety-nine. dollars written by Greg Pak. So if you're a fan of Greg Pak, there you go. Illustrated by Dan McCade and several different incentive uh, variant covers. Uh, so Boom Studios, along with, the, with visionary writer and director Josh Sweden, presents an all-new era of the pop culture phenomenon Firefly as one of the most demanding, demanded stories in the franchise's history is revealed for the first time. Focusing on family, loyalty, identity, and the price of redemption, writer Greg Pak and artist Dan McDowell Take you back to the battleground where Mao's journey began, the Unification War. So, yeah, this is the the whole brown coats versus the the um, God. I haven't seen the show in a while. I forget the name of the the alliance. Uh, um, <clears throat> so there's there's that. Uh, I just thought I'd bring it up because I, I I know there are a ton of listeners of ours who are fans of Firefly and maybe don't look for solicits. Uh, for uh, things like some of the uh, uh, indie titles. So if you're interested in Firefly, Greg Pak is a great writer. So I'm definitely going to be con- uh, trying that one out. And uh, remember when I used to do the Larflees report, I used to do the uh, Ridiculous Duo. I have a Ridiculous Uno. <laughs> uh, and I sent this to you, Mark. You, you probably already saw it. Trump. I, I had to- Tr- Trump's Titans versus the End, number one. <laughs> I just I gotta read. Oh, I cl- huh?
1: Hold on I, clicked on, I clicked on the Albert Einstein. Thing. Oh, okay. How how far before? Let's see. I see Bill and Ted save the universe. Uh huh. Hold on, I'm trying to find this. Oh, okay, let me let me let me just open this picture in another.
0: President Donald J. Trump is the most powerful superhero in the universe and the leader of the greatest super team in history. But can he even stop the end? The most powerful villain Donald has ever faced is determined to end the Trump presidency once and for all. And unlike Madonna, they make good on their threat to blow up the White House. The stupidly best-selling Trump comic book parody series of all time returns in an all-new number one because number eights are for losers. But this number one may be Trump's last, and there's a couple of different variant covers, and one of them is Ivanka versus Dark Ivanka
1: <laughs> <laughs> with, with with knockers of plenty. Good lord,
0: uh, I I like it. Makes me wonder. Like it, it makes me think if this was a, a series from. Because it says uh, returns, so there was a clearly a one through seven or something of this series beforehand. and It makes me wonder what that was, but I don't know if I want to give my money to anything with the name Trump on the title.
1: So there we go. Uh,
0: <laughs> another thing I wanted to point out was the. Uh, I've really oh,
1: go ahead before before you, yeah before you go before you do that. Which which cover is the Ivanka versus Dark Ivanka supposed to be ripping off? Because we know we know we know. We know the uh, Titan No More is ripping off the Spider-Man No More cover, and we know the the end with the flag is ripping off the soup to, the death of Superman cover. But I'm trying to figure out which one is the two chicks squaring off supposed to be.
0: I think maybe Supergirl because wasn't there a Supergirl uh, uh, series where or a story arc a while back where Supergirl had a dark version of herself?
1: Oh yeah, you probably you're, you are probably right. Oh you know, that that was that when, was that when she was corrupted by. Dark side, or was that a different a different story? Uh,
0: might have been different. I don't know. It was a while back, though. Definitely not. Definitely definitely sense. not even New Fifty Two. was like before New Fifty Two.
1: It would make sense. Either that, or if not Power Girl, because of the outfit. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: another thing. I, okay. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to point out, just because I'm a Gambit fan. Uh, Koto, Bukia, I guess, has long been doing these. Uh, art fx statues ArtFX plus statues and i've seen them and they always look cool but i never really 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 wanted one until they just they've been doing this uh x-men 92 series and they're doing a gambit and rogue x-men 92 2 pack for only 89.99 i mean i know it's nearly 100 bucks for a statue and probably with taxes and stuff it will be 100 bucks but like it looks real good it says it's uh Let's see. It's one tenth scale. This affordable two pack is perfect for displaying alongside other Artifacts Plus statues. So it's uh, it's it's based on it, it's based on the animation art. So I just, I mean, I don't I don't know what you think of it, but it looks really cool. I like that it's a two pack of them.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. I like. I think Gambit looks better than
0: Rogue. for sure if I had the choice, I'd of course get Gambit by himself. But now that they're married and I'm reading the Mr. And Mrs. X series and stuff like it makes sense to have both of them now. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, because I am going to make a post about this on Facebook for all my friends who are just like not into comics. But let me, let me tell you guys a story. I'm gonna tell you guys a story before I mention this bill and Ted save the universe trade. Uh, the, for those of you who don't understand the collector mentality, and I feel like a lot of us do because we're comic fans, this is a story I'm going to tell. I have Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure on Blu-ray. I love Bill and Ted. It's one of my favorite movies from my childhood. They don't have Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey on Blu-ray because, for for whatever reason, they did put out a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey Blu-ray 2-pack a long time ago, but that's hard to find. So all I have is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure on Blu-ray. Well, a few about a month or so ago, they came out with a Bill and Ted uh Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 30th Anniversary Steelbook. And I debated about getting that because I love Bill and Ted. Like I'm here's my book, my bookshelf is right in front of me and right here this big ass book Is the Bill and Ted's excellent comic book archive, which is essentially an omnibus of all the classic Bill and Ted comics from way back when. And of course, I'm going to be mentioning this Bill and Ted Save the Universe. Like, I I get the comics, I have the two pop vinyls uh, uh, figures of Bill and Ted. Like, I love Bill and Ted. So they have they come out with a steel book for the 30th anniversary. It looks really cool. It's really simple, but I, I already have Bill and Ted on Blu-ray, so why would I buy it again on Blu-ray? It just it it financially didn't make sense. Well, I always like going on the Blu-ray release website to see what Blu-rays are coming up in the calendar when they're supposed to be coming out. That's how I figured out like that pre-hysteria was going to be released on Blu-ray and stuff like that, and <clears throat> you know, I got really excited for that. Well, as you go on, they, they only have the schedule of releases go out so far. So i checked again really recently, and guess what? <laughs> Bill & Ted's Bogus Journey 30th Anniversary Steelbook is coming out. <laughs> so now, I can't, in good conscience, go out and buy the Bill & Ted's Bogus Journey Steelbook So I have both Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey on Blu-ray because it's going to look ridiculous to have Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in a plain plastic, you know, whatever Blu-ray case right next to this awesome 30th 30th anniversary edition steelbook for the next movie. So now I have to go back, buy the 30th anniversary Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that I wasn't going to get because it didn't make financial sense – (laughs) <laughs> because I already had the movie, because they announced the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey book so now I have to have both.
1: <laughs> my my head hurts. My, my head
0: really. Hurts. You understand what I'm saying, though,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, I think I do.
0: <laughs> so this is driving me up a wall. This is a story that only makes sense to those of us with the collector's mentality. When you look on yourself and go, you look on your on your shelf and go, well, that doesn't look right. <laughs> And I have to get something else. So uh, there we go. But uh, I, speaking of to my love to Bill and Ted, they had the um, Bill and Ted uh, Save the Universe series from Boom Studios uh, a while back, and it was a five issue series by Brian Joins and uh, illustrated by Bakken. and it was really good. They're finally coming out with the soft cover. Of that, so the wild stallions are back, and this time they're traveling across the whole universe. Bill and Ted have been kidnapped by by a bodacious alien and are handed over to their long lost family. Uh, So this is actually involving Bill and Ted's moms. So um, if you're curious about that, that's that's a really cool story, and um, it was good. I enjoyed it. It wasn't as good as Bill and Ted Go to Hell which was really good. Um, but uh, yeah, Bill and Ted Save the Universe, you should definitely check that out uh, if you haven't already. I- I'm only mentioning it because I refuse to get some of these things in hardcover because I feel like they're too expensive in hardcover. This one comes out January 2nd of next year and it's 20 bucks and that's soft cover. So I, can, I think well, I, as much as I love Bill and Ted, the only time I ever spent money on a hardcover was the Boom Studios Archive Edition of the classic stuff. Uh, so definitely there's that. And then Action Lab. This is something I was really excited about during San Diego, but I can't remember if we mentioned it. Uh, Action Lab Entertainment. You guys remember Sean Pryor uh, from uh, – uh, uh, Friend of ours, of the friend of the show, came on the show a few times. Mark, I think you were on an episode with him, so as was I.
1: Yeah, I believe. Yeah.
0: So he helped found Action Lab Entertainment, and Action Lab Entertainment has been a big deal for quite a long time. Well, ever since. Well, as you can imagine, you know, they not only do they help stoke their own creative talent, but they also, you know, pick up various licenses and stuff. Uh, you know, they're 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 a comic book company. People do pitches and join the team. If you guys will remember, a while back on one of the uh, Wizard World Austin end episodes, I can't remember which one. I'll, I'll put a link in the description for this episode. Um, I mentioned and interviewed a guy named Tony Donley, And Tony had done a commission for me of, of um, Kyle Rayner as a Blue Lantern it was it was sort of spotty and he was holding up his ring against the dark it was it was really cool tony was there at wizard world that year promoting his book that he had launched on kickstarter called albert einstein time mason and i had met the reason i interviewed tony is because wizard world had like a press event at a bar downtown on Sixth Street before the, the before the weekend of uh, or like the Thursday or the Thursday night before uh, the Wizard World convention started up, and I got in a conversation with Tony and his group of friends, and he invited me to swing by his table and all this stuff. Mm. Well, spending as much time with him, getting that commission from him, I got the first issue of Albert Einstein Time Mason from him. Come to find out, Albert Einstein Time Mason during San Diego was announced by Action Lab. They picked it up. So he was self-publishing this book, and it wasn't getting very, it wasn't going very fast, because it was self self-published. Well, Albert Einstein Time Mason number two from Action Lab Entertainment has been solicited. Um, artist Tony Donnelly, writer writer Marcus Perry, cover by Jeff Johnson. What's a guy to do when someone steals his brain? If you're brilliant scientist and daring adventurer Albert Einstein, you chase them into the ancient past. But to catch the thief, Einstein must outsmart one of history's greatest conquerors, Alexander the Great, and defeat mythological warriors unlike anything he's ever faced before. It's adventure time again. So, yeah, Albert Einstein, Tom Mason number two has been solicited, and Action Lab is going to be putting out a new version of issue number one before that, so... I have been following Tony on like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook for ever since that um, Wizard World Austin interview, and it's it's just really cool to finally see issue two out, and especially from somebody we know and respect like Action Lab.
1: It's an int- the concept is interesting too, so sort of. I do some of the, some of the uh, kind of like you're in a different. In a non-political way, kind of like some some of the like weird, absurd stuff, like the Trump stuff. It's, it's like it's kind of it interesting that you take all these weird, you know, have all these historic figures and you just make some weird kind of story. With it's kind of int- I kind of have a, kind of have a kind of weakness for that, and it's got to be better than like Abe Lincoln vampire hunters. Yeah,
0: he's, it's almost like a time traveling Indiana Jones sort of story, but featuring Albert Einstein. Like not not like not like the old Albert Einstein, but like a yeah, He looks young. yeah, like a like a Tom Selleck sort of <laughs> you know a, yeah a Tom Selleck sort of sort of a version of uh, of Albert Einstein. So it's definitely pretty cool that way. Uh, but that's some of the stuff I found in previews I wanted to point out. There's several other things like a Reptar game and stuff like that. But uh, I just wanted to to bring that stuff up. We're, we I think we got enough. We got a lot of. Uh, content out of this uh, episode more than we thought already so i didn't mean to ramble on too long what else do you have
1: that's all right uh we i think i mean we did cover the majority of the big stuff if there was a, if there was big stuff to cover in this episode <laughs> and trust me there probably wasn't uh let's see uh just talk about netflix real quick uh since you and, I, and I'm using air bunnies when I'm saying this, you have Netflix as we speak. <laughs> uh, I
0: haven't checked in the past few days. Maybe I got kicked off. Who knows?
1: <laughs> okay, maybe you take erase the air bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, but let's work under the let's let's work under the assumption for a moment that you still do. Uh, probably most people know as we speak. Uh, Black Panther is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's been on for several days now. Uh, I have yet to watch the whole thing completely. I put it on twice, fall asleep twice to it. But to be fair, I put it on knowing I was going to fall asleep to it twice. Uh, so, so it wasn't like it bored me to tears or I was, or I didn't care. I probably sometime over the weekend, I will sit down and actually try to watch it from beginning to end. Maybe a little fast forwarding here and there about the parts. I don't care about some of the Killmonger parts. I honestly don't care as much about, uh, but Iron Fist, Iron Fist season two, as we, uh, the 7th i think which is tomorrow.
0: tomorrow right tomorrow so Friday. yeah it'll go on tonight, tonight
1: technically tonight three, 3 3 o'clock pacific time uh is when so just
0: a few hours um, we're a few hours away
1: Yep. From a, so if i so if i choose to but before i go to bed tonight i could actually at least watch the first episode of of that show of iron fist season 2 i am looking forward to that i actually
0: finally started punishers and i'm about halfway through that so
1: I got to go back to Punisher. I didn't. I, I didn't grab me all that much. I didn't hate it either. So I. I think I've made it. I'm somewhere like in episode four. So I do. And I finished Luke I, Cage I season
0: two, of course. So.
1: Did you like season two? I did.
0: I did like it. Uh, whether I liked it, I think I liked it better than season one, um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure.
1: It was a little more even.
0: Yes, season one Season one was definitely because, unbalanced, yeah. but the stuff yes. that was great was great.
1: And I really, and I was, re- I really liked the the way they gave you the weird ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, the obviously homage to The Godfather, especially when they're closing the door and stuff towards the end. The idea of you know kind of Luke, Luke being done. Actually, more Luke being Michael Corleone because that kind of was what it was like. Uh, but I, I did like that. It certainly raises some interesting potential story. You know, just it just seems like it's a really not the way you certainly would have expected at season eight mm-hmm. when it began. So I I did like that. You give them full you give them full credit for that. And and the Iron Fist so episode of that was
0: amazing. Yes, better than the entire first season of Iron Fist.
1: <laughs> See, yeah, I know a lot of people say that. I don't. I I've gone on record for saying I actually in, quite enjoyed bad martial arts or, or not I did enjoy uh, the first season of of Iron Fist more than a lot of the first seasons of most of the other shows because even though Danny kind of had you know Danny certainly he he isn't wasn't the most warm and fuzzy character all the time but he was a but he was a like he was a good character and to me he was a likable character and other than Luke Cage we didn't have a whole lot of those mm. I didn't get obviously Jessica Jones in season one was pretty highly unlikable I never really got a whole lot of like out of. I didn't really get a whole lot of like out of Cox's Daredevil either. Mm. So, um, but that's just me. And I, and I liked in with Luke Cage, I liked the whole, the, the way the Claire thing kind of is kind of, for whatever reason, just to, the way they decided to get, to separate Claire and, uh, and him and to see how that potentially plays out. Here, a strange, a strange movie. Well, it's not a strange movie, but it's not really something that we you would think we'd, we'd be talking about it on the show. If you still have Netflix, or you miraculously get it back, uh, a really, it's a romantic comedy, which is why it's kind of funny to talk about that. I think it's To All the Boys i Loved Before, which stars Lana Condor, who actually, it was Jubilee in X-Men Apocalypse, which is not something she probably will really want on her resume in a few years, but, but she's talented, and she's cute, and the story's, it's based on a book anyway. But this, but this, it's really, it's kind of a really. I like it's a really, it was surprisingly enjoyable, considering it wouldn't it wouldn't seemingly have a whole lot of appeal hmm. to me. But if, but I would, I would rec- I would recommend giving it a shot because she's really, she's really like, she's really likable, and it's kind of quirky and it, and I think thought it was well, and I thought it was well acted, pretty much.
0: I don't know if I'll watch it, but i I did watch the other thing you recommended, the, the Kristen Bell one.
1: Oh, the the like fa- the father fa- yes, one with like, fa- Keck was yeah. Kelsey
0: Grammer. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, I thought that one was the the premise kind of intrigued me on that one, and I, and, and and I think both of I like both of them as actors, so I kind of figured just setting up the whole estranged you know relationship thing and then being on the cruise was kind of yeah I thought I thought that was pretty pretty well done, and that was yet and that was another Netflix movie. Yeah. Right? that was another made mm-hmm. for Netflix, and so and so is. And so is To All the Boys I Loved Before. So Net- Netflix really gets a lot of credit for a lot of their all, all the stuff they make themselves. I think that's pretty high-quality stuff. That
0: yeah, make. I've got something in my queue. Let me see if I can even log on because maybe you've seen it. I don't know. Uh, or maybe one of our listeners has seen it and wants to write in. But I did see something I was curious about, and I wanted to check it out, and I put it on my queue. Uh, let's see. Well, first of all, I've never seen Heat, so I put that on my list.
1: Oh, the De Niro, yeah. uh, Pacino, and
0: i would never seen Donnie Darko, so I put that on my list. Uh, but there, I think there was a movie I think called it might have been Extinction.
1: Oh, the move, the movie that had what face, some Ant Man in it? Yes, uh, Michael Pena. Michael Pena and and Lizzie Caplan. Yes, uh, so, very, in- so I,
0: very I, interesting. Very I did watch movie. it, uh, and and I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about that a bit because. I did not see the twist coming did you watch it okay yeah. I did not see the twist coming
1: and yeah, it, I, didn't, it, I originally I originally didn't see it coming either I so I thought I thought the way they handled that was pretty well pretty well done
0: yeah I thought it was a really great movie so if you guys you guys have Netflix and want to watch a, a good movie extinction is a great movie uh, especially especially for like a Netflix original cuz y- you know like the Netflix original TV shows are getting better and better and better but you know some of those uh, original movies can be hit or miss but this one was really good.
1: Yeah, I think they've been getting better though. I think I think I think they have been getting better their original movies. Uh even I mean some of them are- I should have made a list. Maybe we'll, if you ever, if, if you still maintain Netflix, maybe we'll just do a Netflix episode one of these days, and we'll just go through different things that we've watched and we recommend and things like that, because that could be a fun episode. Uh, but I think I do think a lot of their made for their own exclusive made for Netflix stuff. I think has gotten has gotten better, and not just the shows. I think the movies have gotten better, and they've kind of, and they branched out a lot. They It's not just straight. You know, it's not just. Straightforward, one genre or another. I think they're really, I think they're covering all their bases, and I think, I think it's, which makes sense too, because you know, obviously, they're gonna, as time goes by, they're gonna, based on everybody coming up with their own streaming service, it
2: mm-hmm.
1: makes it more complicated because they're not gonna have, you know, the exclusive rights to either cer- certain movies, or they're not gonna get them in, you know, in a timely fashion, or if, if at all, because obviously we know they're gonna be losing, we're gonna be losing the Marvel. Uh, Lucasfilm stuff. I think sometime next year they lose all they lose all those movies. Though, though they still should be based on I believe the contract. They still should we still on Netflix should still be able to get to see for some period of time. We should still be able to see Solo, Infinity War, and Ant Man because they were all released in 20, 2018. So I think anything that oh speaking of which, uh, your Wrinkle in Time comes on this month in case you didn't know that.
0: Don't know if I. I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch. It depends on like how my day is going when I put it on. Like that's that's not going to be something I'm going to sit down and make time for. But I think it might be something like if I'm like doing things around my room, straightening up and want something on, I'll probably put that on.
1: Yeah, since I didn't get to, since I didn't get to uh, see it yet, I'll, I kind of, I kind of look forward. I mean, I definitely to, uh... enjoyed it, but it's absolutely a kids movie, so. Let's see when it, when it, when is the date that it's supposed to come on here? Uh, this, what a what a pointless article. Let's see. Dude.
0: Most of them are these times.
1: March. Let's see. Uh, no, this isn't. It's, it's an old article. I clicked on. It's one of those. It's not technically a. It's not technically a misleading headline, but it, but it is from the perspective. Of it, it doesn't actually tell you when it's coming on. Um. But I know but I know it's this month
2: hmm.
1: I know it's coming on this month so um, cause that was one of the actually this is a pretty this is a pretty decent month there's a, there's a bunch of cool stuff that's coming on this month and I, and of course one of my favorites is finally is being brought back uh, they're bringing back the original pirates which is kind of mm-hmm. funny. It's like so. I think I think they take so. So once again, we're gonna have the last pirates and the first pirates and nothing in that's,
0: between. That's anymore. like that's like a few like a few months back when they did Fellowship of the Ring and that was it. I was like, come on, yes, I want to see that's, the that's, others. That's
1: still, that's that's still now. That's that's current. I think they still only have Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's stupid. You know what was really what was really stupid? It was they had for a while. They had on. They had I think had something like, I think they had Scream 1, and they had Scream 3, and they didn't have Scream 2. And then they got Scream 2, and they lost either Scream 1 or Scream 3, and then they finally got Scream 4. And now, I think it was, I think it might, it might have been Scream 3 disappeared when 2 came on, and now that Scream 4, for the first time I think ever, is on Netflix, now all the other Screams are off, movie-wise, except for 2. So you can watch 2 and 4, but you can't watch. Yeah. I... I it, it's so weird you know it has to do with the contracts and everything else but it's weird it's like speaking of binge watching stupid shit and and we will not carry this much longer sometimes I feel compelled when there's like a series (laughs) of things that are on especially like if they're on Prime and they're free Uh, so I I watched for some reason don't ask me why other than the obvious Natasha Henstridge factor I actually watched uh, Species 1 through 3 in the last couple of that's a name I haven't heard in a while God, she was so beautiful. I mean, she still is attractive, but my God, when you go back to how, when she was, you know, young and so beautiful, when the, when the first, especially in the first movie, but the, even in the second one, it's like wow. But yeah, I watched, and I, cause I never actually, I, I, think the first one was the only one I ever watched all of, uh, and I mean all of, as in maybe not in one sitting, but at, but putting a couple of sittings together, I watched it. But when I went back to watch the second one, it's like I don't think I ever finished this, and I definitely never watched the third one. So it was it was kind of interesting to it, it it's kind it's kind of cool to do that once in a while when they have uh when they have movies in a series on or in a franchise it's it's just kind of cool to put them on especially when they're not when they're usually not free it's a rarity that these things become free at least Amazon Prime is a little bit better like that they're a little bit, I think they're a little bit better that when they have usually it comes in waves like once in a while like once a, like a like sometimes all the Saw movies will be on. Not counting necessarily Jigsaw, which just came out, cause. Uh, but all the Saw movies will be free, and then when they're not free, like all of them won't be free, which is alright. I just hate, I just hate it when it's like the- when they kind of like mix them, in- mix them in, cause that's so damn annoying. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of something we do once in a while, we want to close this out with uh, talking about some NFL stuff. We we kept we purposely kept until the end in case some of you guys aren't interested.
1: Well, before, right before we say that, we probably should. It, is, it was kind of sad about. Bert yeah, Reynolds. that's true. I,
0: so we're recording this the day of the announcement that uh, yeah, Burt Reynolds passed.
1: I, yeah, he's from an age perspective, he's obviously more in my wheelhouse than yours. But I, I certainly, if I have fond memories, especially there were a lot of interesting movies he was in. But obviously, I have, I really besides, you know, Deliverance was one of his better movies. But I, I still think of Smoking the Bandit one and two personally for me because that, that was kind of like the and Cannonball, and Cannonball Run. Cannon, Cannonball Run movies is kind of hard not to think of Burt Reynolds. So it is kind of sad. Uh, I, speaking of, I watched. I think I'm, I'm trying to remember if I mentioned it on the show. The, uh, what, the what the hell was? Oh, now I got to remember what, the, what that movie was that he, that he did on Amazon Prime. But Ariel Winter, like the last, the, the last, like the last movie, the last movie star. I'm thinking if it's the last movie star. If that, if that is. Gotcha. The, yeah I think if that's still free on Amazon Prime, uh, I would recommend watching that for people because that was a really I, I really enjoyed that because i it's clearly very autobiographical with some of the issues that the character he's playing is dealing with as he's getting older and reflecting back upon his career and things in it and so it kind of becomes a little more poignant now knowing that you know that came out relatively close to uh, the time of his death so but now but now we can move to something more cheerful well, yeah
0: he, he was also in without a paddle.
1: With uh, Dak Shepard, generally he was in that uh-huh. movie. That's what must be. Was it a cameo almost?
0: Yeah, Del Del Knox. That's
1: what it's. Oh, okay. You know what? I kind of. I think I might. I might actually rem- remember mm-hmm. that now. Uh, I mean, he, he was in a lot of intro- he He's in a lot of cool things. Obviously, he's you know from, from a box nights, office for sure. Yes, which a role that he never. He still was never 100% ever happy and, and proud with proud of doing because of the subject matter, but. And it did kind of, sort of jump. It kind of did, kind of, sort of jumpstart his career, but not as much as you know, you might, he, people kind of thought it was going.
0: You know, he was, all, he was in a movie I always wanted to see but never did, uh, "Strip tease.
1: And I don't remember. Yeah, that's another. I agree. That that's, I never saw "Strip tease either. That was during the De- Demi Moore's. Yeah, period. I was hearing good things about that, but I never saw. I never saw that. But. I never saw that.
0: But either. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know that he's more. You, you mentioned it earlier. He's more in your wheelhouse than than mine. I will always remember him as Charlie Barkin from All Dogs Go to Heaven. <laughs>
1: I, I remember that. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's he, he obviously had a very long, very good career, and like at most with most big name actors, especially that. And I remember I was reading an article today about it, how a lot of the big roles that he either r- rumored to, to have turned down, and some that he absolutely did turn down. Uh, but that's you know, there's that's that's going to be the track record for for lots of people, lots of big actors we all know, you know, turned down different t- turned down different roles. So
0: there was a, mo- a there was career. a movie called Nickelodeon.
1: Oh what? yeah, oh, he was in Nickelodeon. Yeah, that was, the, that was the one with uh, Ryan O'Neal and. Uh, I think uh, Tatum. I think Tatum O'Neill when she was a kid. Hmm. Right, that was that was, that was like '73 or something like
0: that. Uh, do you have? Do you have uh, one? I did. Let me see. Nickelodeon. I think,
1: think it was early '70s.
0: Sorry, I just lost it. What's well,
1: harder? 1976. Every, oh, it was '76. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think I'm thinking. I might be thinking Paper Moon with Ryan O'Neill and his daughter. I think she might have been in that. Two uh, yeah, episodes Nick, of Flipper.
0: Oh yeah, Gunsmoke. guns. Yep, Gunsmoke. That's right.
1: Yep, Gunsmoke. A lot. Yep. People. Him and uh. I saw a lot of reruns uh, of Gunsmoke back in the day. Yep. Uh, both Clint Eastwood and uh, good old Burt Reynolds got their start on TV, and and, and neither were <laughs> at at times, people thought they were never going to amount to anything, either one of them. And well, they kind of they kind of proved them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> especially especially Clint Eastwood my god like like how old he is and he's still and he's still still making movies man he's he, he's directing it seems like every year he's putting a movie out
0: hmm. all right well on to the nfl uh, both of us have the uh as we ta- as we record this the falcons eagles game on in the background well, what a boring piece of crap game! Yeah, this. just a few moments, <laughs> just a few minutes ago, the, the Falcons just got their first touchdown of the game in the fourth quarter, putting it at twelve it to ten. Yeah, a point. Yeah, I missed the PHE. Um, but this is the first year I actually joined the uh, uh, did a fantasy draft. Um, my brother-in-law and some uh, fellow, uh, some of, like his cousin, his uncle, um, his brother-in-law. Uh, we all just joined this, started up this eight-person fantasy league, uh, and I, I just did a draft. Uh, we're not putting any money in on it or anything. I've never done this before. I've, I've said in the past, I like football, but like it's it's a slow progression for me. Like I've told this story before, but the reason I fell upon the Carolina Panthers as my team is a long time ago when my sister and my bro- now brother-in-law first started dating. You know, you try and look for things to find in common with, you know, your sister's boyfriend or something. And he really liked playing video games, which sucked because I can't play most modern games because it makes me sick. I've mentioned this before. That's why I still have my Super Nintendo in working order right here. Um, but um, I could play things like the snowboarding game SSX, and I, could, I discovered I could play Madden, and he likes Madden. So I would just... You know, I knew a little, like a very little bit about football, but I was like, all right, this is an opportunity for me to learn a little bit more. Let me just pick a team. So I picked a team based mostly on the colors. I was like, oh, this is a cool uniform or whatever. I'll just be these, I'll be the Panthers. Uh, and as I played I know I started remembering some of the players' names and stuff, so that whenever we watched football together, and the Panthers were playing, somebody I'd recognize people. So I was like, all right, you know, this, this was years and years ago. I was like, I'll, I'll try them out. They'll, they'll, I'll, I'll see if you know I really I like following the team, if I like, you know, the ownership, I like all this stuff. So as it evolved, that's how I got into football itself, as well as into a team. Uh, I always liked the Texas Tech Red Raiders for college football. In terms of NFL, picking a team was always just, you know, do I pick the Cowboys just because I'm in Texas? (laughs) They were good in the 90s when I was a kid, but, like, (laughs) do I just pick them just because? It was like, so that's how I fell upon the Panthers. Um, So this year I did a draft for the first time because, like, again, I slowly get each year more and more and more into football. So I did the draft this year, and, Mark, you've been doing it for a long time, I guess?
1: Yes, long,
0: long time. So, uh, yeah, we just we just thought we'd talk about uh, the their teams and the upcoming. Did you do multiple drafts or just one or what?
1: I have two this year. I only did two. I,
0: I just did the one, uh, and I sent you a screenshot so you can tell me my starters. Of course, I, it's it's Panthers heavy. I've got Cam Newton, I've got Christian McCaffrey, uh, and I've got the Panthers defense. That's that's my that's my starters from the Panthers. Then I've got Jay Howard, uh, I've got Jay uh, uh, Julio Jones, Julio. huh? Yeah, Julio Jones. Uh, I've got I believe is it Devonte? Yeah, Devonte Devonte yes. Adams from Green Bay. Uh, I've got Delaney Walker. Uh, I've got Marshawn Lynch, and then I've got uh, from the Baltimore Ravens Justin Tucker as my kicker, and. Then on the bench, I've got Matt Ryan, Michael Crabtree, uh, Jonathan Stewart, who used to be a running back for the Panthers. (laughs) I've got the – Benjamin. (laughs) Kelvin Benjamin, used to be uh, a wide receiver for the Panthers. I've got the Chargers defense. Uh, I've got Benjamin Watson, and I've got Matt Prater from the Detroit Lions. So that's my lineup. And, hey, uh, Julio Jones – has seven receptions for 106 yards in this game so far. That's got me at 11.7 points. So,
1: but no, but no damn touchdown. Yeah, that's true. I, I have. Let's take a look. We have a few commonalities on. I was looking at this. We have a few common players on on my teams. Uh, not to. I'm going to go through. I, these are different scores. And then me go through my one team, which is closest to your lineup, uh, as in positions. Not entirely. We have, I think we have more flex spots. Uh, let's see. I got Deshaun Watson is, for this week as my starter a quarterback. Juju Smith Schuster from Pittsburgh, wide receiver. Alvin Kamara from the Saints, running back. George Kittle from the Niners is my tight end. Brandon Cooks from the Rams. Right, he's in the Rams now. He's one wide receiver. And as flex spot, Adrian Peterson from the Redskins is in another flex spot. Michael Crabtree, one of our common players, in a flex spot. And Emmanuel Sanders from Denver. On my bench, i got Jared Goff uh, from the Rams. Kenny Galladay from Detroit. Anthony Miller from Chicago. Jordan Wilkins from the, from the uh, Colts. Vernon Davis from the Redskins. James Conner, who probably will be the lead back this week since, uh, what's his face, uh, Le- De- Le'Veon Bell continues to hold out. Uh, and Matt Breida from San Francisco. And Justin Tucker is my kicker, another commonality. And Jacksonville is my defense in that league. And my other league, which has more, is a two quarterback league, I also have Deshaun Watson. I have Russell Wilson. have Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, David Johnson, running back from the uh, cards. Lamar Miller, running back from Houston. Evan Ingram, tight end in from the Giants. Again, Juju Smith Schuster from Pittsburgh is a wide out. Adrian Peterson. Uh, Technically, he's in a flex spot, I should say, Juju. Adrian Peterson, again, flex spot. Jamal Williams running back from Green Bay, flex spot. Rex Burkhardt running back from the Patriots, flex spot. I do have Matt Ryan, like you, on my bench. I got Alshon Jeffrey, who's Hart Wide receiver from the the Eagles on the bench. Kittle, tight end on the bench. I got another tight end, too, um, on O.J. Howard from Tampa Bay. Julian Edelman, suspended, but eventually he'll come back for the Patriots. Sam Darnold. As a no, as a bench quarterback, Harrison Butker, or but I think it's Butker uh, from the Chiefs is my kicker, and I have it's a two defense league, so I got the Rams and the Texans as my starting defenses.
0: I see. I've still got Marshawn Lynch as listed as questionable, so I think he's
1: just keep keep an eye on yeah. that. I think he's going to play. I've never heard anything so far up to this point indicating that he's not going to. So.
0: Yeah. But uh yeah, I've never done this before. It's just it's it was interesting though because I picked Cam, I picked McCaffrey and then I picked the Panthers D. Uh but you know, obviously they all have the same bye week. So so that's why
1: Yeah, that that is yeah, that is a problem. That's why
0: I got Matt Ryan and Julio Jones to sort of, you know, pick up some of that and then of course I got the Chargers D as as backup so I could like at least during the bye week I'm not getting nothing. <laughs>
1: Well, plus, and to be fair, plus the Chargers' defense is supposed to be, pretty, whether they turn out to be or not, is another right. story. But they're supposed to be pretty good. So, ho- ho- homerness aside, you might end up wanting to wanting to play the Chargers' defense more than more than Carolina's defense. More, maybe not this week necessarily. But well, yeah, they're they're, they're going now. up against the Cowboys on Sunday. So, yeah, and the Cowboys are having some offensive line issues. So. So the Panthers' defense might not be a bad play, and the Chiefs have a lot of weapons, even though it is Mahomes, so we don't know how good a quarterback he's actually going to be now that it matters. Yeah. But we'll see.
0: Yeah, I, just, I figured I'd do this this year because whenever I watch uh, games, I'm like, okay, are the Panthers playing, or if it's college, is Texas Tech playing? I never really care too much about any other teams, so now that I've like become fully invested in my teams, maybe with fantasy you know, because I'm watching what A, B, C player does, I'll, I'll start watching more games. And, I mean, it's not really uh, a thing. Although I have the Falcons-Eagles game on right now, it's the first game of the season. So that's not really <laughs> setting a precedent, because I always watch the first game of the season. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like, I'm invested in this game in some way, shape, or form, because I've got Julio yeah. Jones. So. Yep. But uh yeah, uh, who 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 are you really? I mean outside of the fantasy, who are you really
1: rooting for this season? I don't think I know who your team is.
0: Red oh Stars. yeah, the Redskins. Okay.
1: Yep. All right. Yeah, they they're the only team that I've been con- consistent about been passionate about since the 80s, so I do like I I had I think I mentioned to you before, I used to like I used to actually really like Carolina, but that was the that was like more like the original, <clears throat> the the expansion Carolina all the way through the uh, Jake DeLome Panthers. I have to admit, the, the, the Cam Newton Panthers don't do much for me, not just because of Cam Newton, just because it's not the same anymore, just like Jacksonville. When Jacksonville, Jacksonville I kind of adopted as my AFC team along the same time when when both those expansion teams came into the league. So Jacksonville, I still have more an affinity for Jacksonville. I can... I. I still can gravitate more towards Jacksonville, I think, than for Carolina. Maybe because it's less of a conflict, because obviously Carolina is an Yay! NFC team too. But, but nonetheless, uh, so yeah, we'll see what kind of year it's what kind of year it's going to be.
0: Uh, I actually went to uh, the mall the other day. Is that what you just sent me? Yeah, I went to the mall a few days ago, and uh, I stopped by the lids store, which is the hat store. Uh, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna get a Panthers hat, and that was my plan. Like I'm on the second, I'm on the second floor of the mall. I'm looking down. I see Lids is down there. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna stop by Lids before I leave. I'm gonna go grab a hat, a Panthers hat. That's all I wanted. I get in there, and I find, and I'm looking for a Panthers hat, and they tell me, oh, but it's buy one get one half off. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> So, like, maybe there's a cheap hat I can get for my brother-in-law because he likes the Houston Astros uh, and for baseball. And I'm like, okay, uh, maybe, I, maybe I can get him one. I find a cheap one, but I actually really like it. So I'm going to get it for myself. Uh, and it is cheap, and it's and even cheaper, of course, being half off. Well, I'm looking at all the Panthers hats, and I'm like, I don't really like any of these styles. And I see this one that is in a section by itself with other similar hats where one of the little, I, I don't know, what you, would you call this one of the triangle sections of the hat, has a uh, a stripe, a weird stripe on the side all by itself. that it doesn't continue all the way around the hat. And they say, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, but that stripe looks weird. And they say, yeah, yeah, that's actually the new style that all the teams are going to be wearing on the sidelines. So that immediately hooked me. I was like, okay. I may not like that stripe on the side, but if that's what you know my team's going to be wearing on the sidelines, I guess, and this is the only hat I'll, all, the, all the ones I see here in the store that I actually interested me. All right, I'll get it. So I grabbed this Panthers hat and I grabbed the Astros hat. And the Astros hat is gray and made up of sort of like that T-shirt material that a lot of things are using now. Uh, um, so it, that's it's more breathable. I like that. Uh, so I'm waiting to check out, and as this guy's ringing me up, he's on the phone with another customer, and they're asking about embroidery. <laughs> so, so they're asking about embroidery, and he's telling them, "Yeah, it's it's ten bucks." So after he hangs up with them, I'm like, "Is it like ten bucks per letter, or like is it certain sizes?" He's like, "No, nah, man, it's just ten bucks." So oh, I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so I pay the extra ten bucks to have Bokelman embroidered in that weird stripe on the side because it would make more sense if like a name was there or something like, if it said like my favorite player is Luke Keechley on defense, um, you know, second, <laughs> second runner up for me really close second is, is, is Greg Olson. Uh, so I was like, Oh, I can get one of them. Oh shit. I'll just do my name. That's cool. So, <laughs> so this is, this is how bad I am <laughs> just explaining this to you and our listeners. I'm on the second floor Planning to go down and buy myself a Panthers hat and end up walking out with two hats, one of which is a custom embroidery <laughs> There's
1: a sucker in a minute, and his name is Pokemon. <laughs> and everyone will know it because it's on the side. Of your hat.
0: <laughs> it does look pretty cool, though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's an, in general, it's a nice looking hat. Uh, actually, it kind of reminds me, and I, and maybe maybe at some point as I go through my Hat collection. Maybe I'll send this to you. I have, <clears throat> I have an original Carolina Panthers. Oh shit! I think it was, I, I think it was the first hat. I think I, I could be wrong. I know it was one of the first. I can't come out and te- 100% and tell you verbatim, absolutely that this was the first design that they ever actually f- officially released. But they released it before what their 1995 inaugural season. Because <sighs> I, I remember getting it. I remember getting it again at the mall. I don't th- at uh, when I back in the centuries ago when I was working at Walden Books. There was a there was a if it wasn't Lids, it was whatever the whatever the store was at the time. They would sold. It could have been like Champs or it, could, it might have been you know uh, Sporting Goods or something. But I went in and, and they had it and I got it just like I just like the winter jacket that I don't really wear out anymore because it's beat up. But I, I use it for snow removal. That was a jacket that I had before the 1995 inaugural season. Hmm but so maybe so I'll I'll show you I'll show you that hat and I also have a hat that which is kind of cool which is from the their first Super Bowl trip uh, when they they played and they should have beaten the Patriots the 2003 team that I have the I have an NFC championship hat oh, that's cool yeah so I'll, I'll have to show you those but those, are they no, are think, they no, small no, like the Six
0: Flags the... hat you hit sent me <laughs> like no, that like no, the, no, that no, one that, I have yeah. to put on the very last thing to put it on my head <laughs> I know I think, By the way, guys, Mark was awesome and sent me a bunch of stuff, and I don't think he wants me to go into detail on everything. But one of the things in this box was a Six Flags Kyle Rayner hat, so it's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> I didn't even know this
1: was a thing, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was from This was from a a long, long.
0: Yeah, it says. Where does it say? It says uh, 1990 copyright 1997 Six Flags.
1: That's cool. Back, yeah, yeah, back when, back when. There was some actual Kyle merchandise, and, and most, and, and I can't say I can't really say Hal merchandise was a dirty word because DC was always kind of hypocritical like that. They always were willing to get the, the the Hal buck from the fans. They just Hal himself was a dirty word, but merchandising him was <laughs> not. <laughs> that that's why I, that's why when, when I had the be, the uh, Green Lantern beanie babies from uh, the Warner Brothers store, that that I'm trying I'm trying to remember if they did a Kyle one. Maybe they did, but I don't I consciously remember them doing a Kyle one. But they did, they did Hal, and they did a lot of Hal stuff. So uh, I got my one of my one of my first Green Lantern glasses was a Warner Brothers Hal glass. Uh, but um, no, I think one one of the hats is a Vel- one of the hats. I think the NFC Championship hat is a Velcro. It's a Velcro.
0: Oh, that's cool. Hat.
1: Yeah, and I don't, and I but I do think the ori- I think the original Carolina hat was snapback. Let's put this. Well, yeah, I think it was a snap. Gotcha. Out. And that, and there goes the Eagles taking. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, but there's only what three minutes left.
1: Two. Two and two and change. I don't know how many timeouts Atlanta has, but. Uh... Yeah.
0: Two, and both of them have two timeouts.
1: Yeah. That. Especially if they miss the extra point. But <laughs> well, either way, even if they make the extra point, they're still down. Tech. I mean, they're already they're already up by more than a field goal on so that took so Atlanta's going to need a touchdown no matter what.
0: <laughs> True.
1: Maybe, look, oh, they might go for two here. For that reason, they're probably going to go for two here. To try to go up.
0: I think you're ahead of me because I'm watching a stream. Oh. Right now they're on second and seven. Still two behind. Well, oh, they haven't scored no. yet?
1: They didn't score yet? Oh, they just... the the Well... Spoiler alert! The Eagles have scored. <laughs> yeah, and I think they are, and I think they are going for two because if they go for two, it'll be a, they'll stretch it out to a seven point lead.
0: Yeah, I'll watch it. I'm just watching an HD stream. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. So the, that I think that's going to do it for this episode. I know it's a random, uh, what do we say, hodgepodge? <laughs> hodgepodge. Uh, hodgepodge. Pop culture hodgepodge uh, episode. So uh, yeah, keep an eye on YouTube. I'm gonna. Maybe post that video I did. I was cussing a bit in that video, so like maybe I should just redo it. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, for those Meta X Green Lantern cards that I picked up at that comic store in Dallas, yeah. um, uh, just so people can see what those are, they're not trading cards in the sense that like it's like a baseball stat card or anything like that. But they are uh, game cards. Like it's involved in like a card playing game. So uh i don't know how that game works so i don't know how interesting that video is but keep an eye on it um but yeah uh hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode getting a glimpse into some of our various fandoms and the stuff that we wanted to talk about like some of the nfl stuff and uh maybe we interested you in going to see halloween or (laughs) reading some of those comics we were talking about so hopefully you guys enjoyed it mark you want to tell us uh how they can reach us
1: I was gonna give you a no spoiler alert, but I'll wait until after we close this episode. <laughs> did, they,
0: did they get the two-point conversion?
1: That's what's. Uh, that's why it's really interesting because technically he he got into the end zone, but the question is whether he lost possession before he crossed the plane.
0: Well, you know what sucks is some of these new rule changes. Like I was reading the the rule change about how uh, when tackling the quarterback now you can't put your full body weight on him or something. The, the, the the person who's making contact has to make sure to not put their full weight on the quarterback. And then they were saying something about how, for it to be ruled a catch, you have to have you know both feet in the end zone and, and maintain control of the ball, but also quote make a football move.
1: But that was the rule. I think I think I thought they. I think I think I think they modified that rule because that was because that was part that was part of the thing. I forgot the language that they used, but I think they changed that from what it was because, because in some in some instances, that making a football move didn't make you know, it wasn't really you know viable. I mean, it's not like you had an opportunity to. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, they 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 did not count the two point conversion. Gotcha. Um, uh, the uh, the
0: the other one I was seeing is no helmet.
1: No wait, wait, no wait, I'm wrong. They they did they, no the, the, the Eagles had what did the Eagles have ten right? Yeah. They had ten. So they did. They they gave it to him. It's, it's eighteen. It's eighteen to it's eighteen to twelve.
0: Still still possible.
1: Uh it's, yeah, it's but,
0: definitely. But uh, anyways, uh what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. Uh there was also the the new rule about like not only can helmet to helmet and stuff not be like no helmet on any part of anybody.
1: Yeah, that that's gonna be that's the really shaky rule because it's almost hard not to make any kind any it's hard pretty impossible to make any kind of tackle without a helmet touching the the opponent
0: but so, this is yeah, this is going to be, be nice a subjective. weird season to watch with all these new world changes so yeah all right anyway do you want, do you I, want to yeah. tell people how they can reach out to us
1: i suppose uh lanterncast at gmail.com website is lanterncast.com uh let's see twitter facebook uh, use hashtag GLCast to locate us on either of those itunes and stitcher whichever platform you listen to us on please leave us a positive review Last but not least, 708 Lantern is the voicemail. Leave us a voicemail, please, and let us know what you think.
0: All right, guys. Uh, Also, let us uh, us know what you want to hear from us. That would really help us, too, in situations like this. I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of prep time just because of – the fact that my little brother was born and all the stuff going on with Mark and and all this stuff. So it was hard to do some real prep work. We do have ideas. We mentioned in the past doing that three of a kind storyline from the Kyle Rainer run crossover stuff. We do have ideas, but all of those require some semblance of prep, which is why this episode is more of what we could say, hodgepodge. So in, in those instances where, you know, we, we, have uh, we don't have we we already have ideas but they require more prep. What's what's some stuff you'd like to hear from us in the event that we want to put something out, but we don't have time to put a lot of uh, research and reading into it prior to recording. So I mean even even if it's not something like that, even if it's just an, an episode topic of some issues you want to hear from us, please let us know what you guys uh, what you guys want to hear from us.
1: Indeed, it always helps.
0: All right, guys, we'll talk to you later.
1: Good night, everybody. Good night.